This is Infants on Thrones. All right, welcome back to Infants on Thrones. Uh, this is a Throwback Friday episode. We're going to get in the time machine and go back six years because in November 2015, uh, a pretty significant thing happened with the Mormon Church. They slipped in or tried to slip in a new little policy in the handbook that uh, you're going to hear all about today, and you probably know all about it. This was the response from Infants on Thrones. I'm going to start with a little parody that we did of Disney songs. Then you're going to hear some man-on-the-street interviews that good friend of the podcast, Sage Turk, conducted. And then you're going to hear a panel discussion from some of our old, beloved infants who haven't been on for a while, but uh, they had a few things to say on November 5th, 2015, when they caught wind of what was going on. So jump in the time machine, think about where you were then, where you are now, how much has changed, and uh, can you look for the good? Can you see any good? Have there been some positive changes? Let's hope so. All right, so let's get in the time machine. Here we go. Hang on to your hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. It's a world of laughter, a world of fun, where our Savior died to save everyone. But if your folks are gay, then you just have to wait. It's a straight world after all. It's a straight world after all. It's a straight world after all. Casings of your dad upon you fall. It's a straight, straight world. There is just one church and one prophet true. And he talks to God and to me and you. It's important to know if you're down another man blows. Then God has a special plan just for you. You can watch your friends get baptized. But, but you, you can't. can't. You can watch them get the priesthood. But, but you, you can't. can't. You can watch them go on youth temple trips, but, but you, you can't, because it's a straight world after all. 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 It's a straight world This is Infants on Thrones. Philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. This is Glenn Osland doing a bad Casey Kasem slash Will Forte Saturday Night Live sports guy slash radio announcer voice to bring you another top musical countdown thingy. No, it's not disco this time, but hey there, do you love the Mormon Church? And do you love sing-along smackdowns of the Mormon Church? And do you love children? And do you love that special, most magical kingdom place on the earth to kids, Disneyland? 
Well, we here at Infants on Thrones wondered what would happen if we mixed all those things together. And this is what we came up with. So let's start off with our very own Bob as he gives us a glimpse into President Oak's twisted but oh-so-straight Ziazrum lawyer-esque brain. Hello, children. My name is Elder Oaks. Sing along with me. Everybody wants to be a straight Because a straight's the only straight Who knows how to mate But everybody's picking up that homo scene Cause every other sin is super clean Now the church with its scorn Can make you wish you weren't born Every time we speak And with faith and no facts We can set progress back To the caveman days Da-da-da-dum I've heard some crazy gays who try to explain But a straight's the only straight Whose kids can remain Who wants to dig a long head gig and stuff like that When everybody wants to be a straight Now the church with its scorn Can make you wish you weren't born Every time we speak And with faith and no facts We can set progress back To the caveman days Strange. Because a cat Strange. is a cat who knows where it's at. When playing jazz, you always has a welcome mat. Because everybody digs a swinging cat. Straight. If you want to turn me oh on, my. I play turn on, don't you on, I and blow play, blow. Where, where do I blow? What do I blow? Now, kids, this is very beautiful music that can be used to attract the opposite sex. Uh, gender, gender, uh, I, I said sex. I, uh, it's very lovely. I'm just enjoying it so much. By notes, you mean women. Oh, I love this part. Oh. Everybody wants to be a straight. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody wants to be a super straight. Ow. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody wants to be a super straight. In the name of homophobic Jesus, amen. Amen, indeed. But let's pause this bad boy for a moment and set the table here to remind ourselves that groovy President Oaks and his friends who pretend to speak to God and set his policies on the earth just made some significant changes to the way members of the church are taught to view homosexuals and the children of homosexual parents. First, 
any man or woman who legally enters into a same-sex marriage is now considered an apostate. Second, any infant child of a man or woman in a homosexual relationship cannot receive a name and a blessing, cannot be baptized or confirmed when they're eight, cannot receive the priesthood and participate in male teen priesthood activities, and cannot serve a mission until they turn 18 and demonstrate to Mormon leaders that they decry and despise the practice of gender equality in marriage. But don't worry, all you kids out there who might feel left behind in your peer group or ostracized in any way, because the Mormon Church is looking out for you, as explained in this song by Glenn from Toy Story, You Got a Friend in Me. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. When you're 18 and renounce your moms and that sinful lifestyle that does them harm, then you can get baptized and be confirmed. Yeah, you have a friend in me. Then you have a friend in me. I know it might sound strange. When you hear us every Sunday say Baptism, confirmation, other priesthood stuff, son The greatest, neatest of celestial fun Your friends, I get them as you twiddle your thumbs, boy But we're only protecting you Cause somehow you got a friend in me I know we got that article of faith that says, baby Man will be punished for his own sins and not for Adam's too, maybe. But don't forget Mosiah 13, 13. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. Because that scripture, too, we pick and choose, boy. And as the years go by, exclusion might make you cry. But don't blame us, kid. Blame your dad. Cause he's the one hating on Jesus and making him mad. We're only looking out for your kids, so don't let anybody fool you. You got a friend in me. Yeah, you do, kid. You got a friend in me, kid. I'm only looking out for you. So why don't you go tell your mom or your dad how abominable their lifestyle is and what they're keeping you from? Because you see it and you feel it every day at church, but it's you and me, kid. You and me. That's right. No need to feel bad for the kids. The Mormon church is not targeting kids or alienating kids. That's totally just a myth, people. One of, I don't know, eight or nine. It's all just, look... Stop feeling bad for the kids, okay? This is Disney music, meant to make kids happy. I know that the Mormon church got a bad rap in the past for all that Prop 8 mumbo-jumbo, as if they were severe and vindictive and nasty, but they're really just an organization of love, full of rainbows and mormonsandgays.org and letting people live in the same housing areas as non-gay people and mutual respect, and this policy is just an extension of all that charitable, Christ-like, don't let the beam in your own eye block out the view of the mode in your neighbor's eye way of living. So let's hear what Heather has to say about this with her take from The Little Mermaid, 
poor, unhetero souls. We'll admit that in the past we've been quite nasty. They weren't kidding when they called us cruel and strange. But you'll find that nowadays we've mended all our ways, repented, seen the light, and made a change. True? No. And, well, fortunately, we have all the power. In the game of life, we make up the rules. And here lately, please don't laugh, we use them on behalf of our fellow homophobic bags of tools. Not those pathetic, poor, unfortunate souls. Those kids of gays. This one longing to be baptized, that one wants to get confirmed, and do we let them? Child, please. Those poor unhetero souls, so fierce, so bold. They'll come flocking to our chapels, crying, Bless this baby, please, and will we help them? Oh, hell no. All right, let's hang on a minute here. I'm not really sure what's going on right now. This is supposed to be a pro-children, pro-LDS church message, right? Uh, You know what I think we need? We need some confirmation of truth from our old friend, Holy the Ghost. Holy will bail us out here. Hey, Glenn, tell us what Holy has to say. George is getting angry. When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, call your little Holy. Call your little Holy. Because when kids turn eight and baptize, water makes you clean. You get a little Holy. I'm your little holy. The gift of the Holy Ghost to always be with you. More special than those without this gift, because I'll be your constant companion. Confirmation is so important, we give it to all the kids, except in certain cases. Special certain cases. Like if your dad is legally and lovingly married to another guy. So you're saying that this actually is for my own benefit and it's being done to protect me? Of course, because we love all children and because Jesus and we're not monsters. We just don't want you to be confused between the truth and the gay lifestyle. So you'd rather that I stay safe in the confines of that gay lifestyle than receive the baptism Jesus wants all other kids to have and have that special gift of the Holy Ghost that will help all the other kids make good decisions during the teen years, but I'm basically just shit out of luck? Uh Uh-huh, that's right. But it's not like we won't let you still get blessings when you're sick or need comfort that may not actually be effective in healing or comforting you. Wow! So hey, if you start feeling bad, missing out on these cool things, call your little holy. Call your little holy. And maybe by the time you're 18, if you renounce the abomination of your gay parents' lifestyle, maybe just then, I'll come around. Maybe. You know what? I'm starting to think that this new policy isn't really progress at all. In fact, it feels a little bit like, I don't know, maybe some kind of punitive segregation policy from the 1950s. Let's see what Brother Jake has to say about that with his take from Aladdin, An Old New World. I can show you a world where all is just as it should be. Tell me, sister, when did you last let the church decide? I can open your eyes 
to powers of rationalization over sideways and under as we try and roll back time an old new world just like it's 1952 because the kids of gays are second rate and no one should forget it an old new world i think that's something i can do I'll just say it's from above and out of love. I'll help preserve that old new world for you. We can make an old new world. Unbelievable sights, indescribable feelings. Trying to tell people why this isn't bigotry. An old new it's okay to justify. This will be really Just hold tough your breath, for me. It gets better. With the stats on gays in latter days, you can't go back to how it An used to be. Wait, why can't they be blessed again? Just like it's 1950. Was it really that much better? You we can just roll back time on a dime. I will make an old new world for you. An old new world. An old new world. That's where we'll be. That's not for me. A special place. A screwed up place. A bigotry. Families are forever, am I right? High five. Yeah, I I don't know how to say this, but I'm breaking up with you. That felt great. I gotta admit it. I'm still a little confused here. Because, look everyone, the Mormon Church has been making a ton of progress over the years. I mean, just look at all the progress that it's made. Like reversing the racist priesthood ban in 1978... That's a pattern, right? That one thing that happened back then? Isn't that proof that they'll do the same thing eventually for women and for gays? Oh, dear. If only there were a smart infant. Someone with a PhD-ish in history who could bring instant credibility to this conundrum. I know. Let's see what John Hamer has to say about this. With his cover of The Circle of Life from The Lion King, this is one data point. Big no voice of the Lord. For years and for years we have heard it Though behind we're on the true path In 78 they opened the gate Women's rights will they not fall behind 
inching our way to inclusion, letting in all those we've kept out. The lift on the ban is step one of the plan. Change will come, we've been left with no doubt from one data point. We've drawn a line, imagined a trend, a future benign, but there's been no progress. Decades roll on, it gets clearer that the goal is now farther away. We're becoming aware that we'll never get there, that the leaders have all led astray. They're committed to hate and exclusion. And they're fixed on the opposite path. There won't be a place for women or gays. There's no end to the circle of hate. It won't I'm not really sure what that all means, but since John Hamer said it, I'm sure it's smart, and it's definitely right. And look, let's take a break from all this heavy stuff and hear what Matt and Kristen have to say about their lovely friend, Belle. I'm sure that Belle is just a lovely girl living in a lovely Mormon town with one straight dad and not two gay ones, and no rumors whatsoever being spread about by her neighborly brothers and sisters about her sexuality. They just simply love her and know far better than to judge her. I'm right, right? Am I right? I sure hope I'm right. Mormon town, it's a perfect village. Every day, like the one before. Mormon town, full of Mormon people. Waking up to say... Hello. My name is Sister Long. There goes the bishop. He seems nice like always, though he looks sideways at me still. 
every morning just the same since the morning that we came to this little Mormon town. Good morning, Belle. Good morning, Bishop. Where are you off to? Seminary. I just finished the most amazing story about Nephi, a sword, and him cutting off Laban's yeah, head. Yeah, that's nice. Brother Allen, I need to speak to you about Titan Settlement. There she goes, that girl is strange, no question. I hear her dad is gay as well. Never named him blessed at birth. Wasn't baptized or confirmed. No denying she's a funny girl, that belle. Hello. Good day. How is your family? My son, he's eight. Gonna get baptized. That's great. You know, it's so important. There must be more than this blind morning life. Look, there she goes. That girl is so peculiar. It's because her father's living sin. I don't think that that's her fault. You know, Adam's transgression and all. Oh, don't listen to that liberal nonsense. Oh, isn't this alarming? This is silly that I'm an outcast. Just because I love my fathers, but I won't denounce them just to prove my loyalty. Now it's no wonder that she is so liberal. She's got progressive views as well. She seems nice, but that's a facade. I'm afraid she's rather odd. Her father makes her different from the rest of us. She's nothing like the rest of us. She's different from the rest of us. She goes a good strange, not special. A most peculiar mademoiselle. It's a pity and a sin. She doesn't quite fit in. But she really is a different girl. A beauty, but a different girl. She really is a different girl. Well, wasn't that simply magnificent? And weird. And totally fictional, because I'm sure there aren't any real girls like that anywhere in the church. In fact, let's listen to Glenn's daughter, Shaylee, tell us what it's really like to be a young, faithful, teenage girl being raised in the Mormon church. She just wants to be part of their world. Maybe they're right. Maybe there is something the matter with me. I just don't see how a person who feels love for other people could be bad. Look at this church. Isn't it neat? My family and friends, my whole world here complete. Wouldn't you know I'm a girl? A girl who has everything. Activity days, girls camp too. Great Sunday dresses and great Sunday shoes. Looking around here you think, sure, it has everything. I've sung hymns and borne testimonies plenty, had group dates to stake dances galore. Dear John RMs, I've done 20, but who cares? 
It's with women, not that that's wicked or gross, or that I'm a, what's that word again? Oh, apostate. I love the gospel that teaches love. I learned about service, forgiveness, charity, even shutting my eyes to that. What's that all around me at church? Judgment and hypocrisy. I want to walk, I want to run, being a Mormon's fulfilling and fun. But can I be who I want to be and be part of this world? What would I give if I could live out in the open? But now they say, if you are gay, you'll impact your kids. Guess I should stay inside where it's safe. And I'll just repress my emotions. Could be healthy. To be stealthy and just conform. Cause I just want to love in the church I love. Want to have children forever. Families don't want to hurt them or make them, what's the word? Second class kids, when's it my turn? Why can't I love? How could my heavenly father? Your children from me hostage they be to be part of his Now, that's not what I was expecting her to say at all. What kind of lousy father would allow his daughter to come on a podcast and admit something atrocious like that for the whole world to hear? Or at least for dozens and dozens of listeners. A daughter like that will never make it to the Celestial Kingdom. She will never see Kolob. Am I right, Randy? Randy, sing us a song, Randy. Make all this pain go away. To see Colob, your dad can never give a blowjob, or your mother do whatever it is the lesbians do in bed. But in our mercy, we've made a way to salvation if your parents are gay. When you're 18, to our bigotry Fate Fate is kind She does stuff to those he loves The truth of the everlasting gospel That we are protectors of Trust us On our records, you'll still have a red flag Just in case 
You also turn into a fag As prophets and seers Just trust we know What's best for you Oy vey. I'm not sure that all this fixating on the new Mormon children alienation and exclusion policy is really all that healthy. Maybe we should just let it go. Hmm, let it go. Too bad there's not a Disney song about that. But you know, a wise person once whispered sweetly into my virtual ear, That a cynical person may say, the church has realized that the best predictor of whether a person is likely to be a gay sympathizer is having a close relationship to a gay person, and that the church is now willing to cut out the cancer of gay sympathizers from its midst, even if that policy makes otherwise blameless children a casualty of this hatchet surgeon's hatchet surgery job. But as Heather explains in this instant classic of her own declaration, that's not it at all. The gay lifestyle is abhorrent to us, and them having kids is obscene. If we keep them in isolation, maybe they won't turn into queens. Couldn't stop gay marriage, now their kids might come inside. And get gay on our kids, that must be denied Don't let the gays give their kids names Don't let their sons join our priesthood games Congeal our zeal, let our hate show So they'll just go Wow, this new policy actually has me a little worried now. Sort of afraid, actually. But maybe the leadership is afraid as well. Maybe they see the trend that the world is going, that more and more people are accepting that it really is no sin for two people of the same gender to love each other, even in icky physical ways. And maybe the church did this intentionally, to make gay parents stay hidden in the closet for the sake of keeping their kids from being alienated at church. And what's even worse, to keep their kids from having necessary ordinances withheld from them. Ordinances that they've been taught their entire lives were absolutely necessary for salvation, but now don't seem to be quite so important to the brethren as keeping the kids from having to choose between two parents with differing ideologies. That never seemed to be an issue in the past. But then again, they also used to say that one of the reasons homosexuality is so wrong is because it's unnatural and no kids can come from that union. But now, of course, there are kids, and those kids have a special scarlet letter on them and are marching out for the whole world to see. No, no, not scarlet, pink. They're afraid of pink 
homo kids. They're afraid of pink homo kids on parade. Oh, Glenn, what have you done to us this time? Look out! Look out! Pink homo kids on parade. Here they come. Our nation is crumbling. Boy Scouts, gay marriage, pink homo kids everywhere. Look out! Look out! They're passing the sacrament, excrement, tolerance everywhere. Gay dad, gay mom, pink homo kids love them all. What should we do? What should we do? Write an official FU. I recall there was a time, a big argument of mine, with gay people when intertwined, can't naturally multiply. But now we see just how it is, there's other ways of getting kissed, we can't abide except in this, your tolerance gay loving minds. What a crime, chase them away, chase them away, I'm afraid, God charade, pink humble kids on parade. Hello there, this is your brother, and I have something to say concerning these people. If they do not listen to every minute of every episode of Infants on Thrones, they shall be totally missing out. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum money. They could buy anything in this world with money. On second thought, just give the Quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. A small token for which they have pledged their eternal souls. Anyone for the closing prayer? Just a spoonful of BS helps the policy go down, the hypocrisy go down, the bigotry go down. Elder D. Todd Christopherson makes the bigotry go down, and you know his brother's gay, so he really understands the issue. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Why are you still here? Why? We just finished all the Disney stuff. It's done. Turn this podcast off now. There's nothing to see beyond this point but some retreaded disco material from that discussion last week about those women and the priesthood essays on LDS.org. You know, the ones that showed the world just how non-progressive the church is planning to continue to be. But I'll admit, I sort of dig those songs. And these podcast episodes do seem to get more attention when they're closer to an hour in length. So sure, now it's time for some groovy Easter egg filler. But no one's twisting your arm to listen. So get out while the getting's good. Hey there, do you love the Mormon church? Do you love disco? That music that made a young, thin, still somewhat heterocurious John Travolta point up to here and then down to there and twist and pose and spin his hands around and around and around, turning otherwise disparate and contradictory physical gestures into a single, unified expression of disco art? 
Do you also like Mormon history? The way it can be spun around and pointed here and pointed there and have it retroactively say that God has been composing a complex orchestral masterpiece when it's really basically just impromptu, do what you feel when you feel it, disco moves on a dance floor? Well, if you like all that mashed up stuff I just said just right now, then you're in luck. Because today, newly released and newly available at a record store or an internet website near you, we have the best of Mormon disco hits. The officially official and authoritative super awesome companion to LDS.org's collection of history-spinning, floor-to-ceiling-pointing disco dancing essays where the Mormon church, continuing the long-standing traditions of its treasure-seeking prophet, Joseph Smith, does what it has always done best. Do the hustle! Who can forget this Mormon disco favorite? All about the importantly important things that priesthood allows for both worthy men and worthy women in our sacred holy temples. Do a little ordinance. Promise to slit your throat a bit for love. Get in doubt tonight. In doubt tonight. Or how about this nifty little ditty, which explains the origin and line-upon-line evolution of the priesthood, which, I'm sorry, has evolved as far as it's going to evolve, ladies. I was a pure descendant of that righteous father Abraham. My sneaky European seeds of Ephraim made me so pure and Scattered, then gathered, then baptized by authority, and those hands laid on me, and someone sighed out loud, he said, here, have some funky priesthood, white boy, have it cause you know it's your right, have some funky priesthood, white boy, cause now that it's restored, it's gonna stay with all my super righteous guys, yeah, that's right, I Or who can stop humming this classic jam about words and their ever-changing evolutionness, just like God, from alpha to omega of meanings? What you gonna do? Do you want your some keys? What you gonna do? Be ordained with some keys? Get down with it. Hey, lady, get down with no it. No need for cranking. Get down with it. We've got you covered. Get down with Just it. Just rediscover. Get down with it. There may be history. Get down with that it. That says we just be. Get down with it. We just can't hide it. Get down with so it. So we'll redefine it. Now, how you gonna use it if you really don't know what it is? Stop breaking down the walls. Get away from sacred walls. Ladies. God's the one who gives it, so you really ought to point to him. We can't ordain you now. Blame God, it's not our fault Yeah, it is Get down with it Hey, ladies Get down with no it No need for cranky Get down with it You can't correct it Get down with Just it Just do it, accept it And who could not unforget this little trip down memory hole lane? Priesthood to re- 
talk about, don't talk about, don't talk about, don't ever talk about it. Sisters, don't you talk about it, talk about it, talk about it ever. Just don't, sisters. Ladies, move on. Ladies, move on. Or how about this tender ballad directly from the brain of a young Joseph the Prophet while gazing upon an even younger Fanny Alger or any of the other dozen or so subsequent serving girls he magnanimously gave to his wife Emma. Girl, I've known you very well See you growing every day I've never been in love before But now you take my breath away An angel with a sharpened sword Told me that it's time for you and me to throw our cares away Move closer to that veil of hate Here in my arms you'll find a paradise Your only chance for eternal happiness If you reject me now you'll spiritually die Oh say you'll always be my baby Let me help you with that clasp We'll do this forever with this new and everlasting something more than a woman. But enough of all that silly, silly nonsense. Let's not forget what we're all actually here for. To listen to an Infants on Throne smackdown of another one of those LDS.org essays that the church always writes when social pressure gets a little too hot and they have to try to fix their image because somebody said or did something that makes the church totally... Feminists, philosophies of people mingled with humans. We are the group. Dear Mrs. Claus, I believe in you because if there's a Santa, he must have a wife somewhere. I shouldn't be doing this, but I just read this essay and Heavenly Mother, are you really there? Dad would be so pissed off if he could hear this prayer. He taught me never to talk to you. He said that's the crap so-called feminists would do. Dad says that mothers are mainly nurturers, but I think he mixed up the Cause only father is nurturing us Mom, are you working, earning cola-bucks? Are you the only one? Or is there a harem? This essay won't tell me I guess, but 
on thrones i'm glenn ostland and in true mormon form i'm both incredibly proud and incredibly humbled to be able to present this episode to you today now as many of you know nearly 2,000 people gathered in salt lake city today which is saturday november 14th to participate in an lds mass resignation event now earlier this week a listener named sage reached out to us and said that he was planning on doing some man on the street interviews He'd go around asking people, why are you doing this? What does this mean to you? What are the issues that brought you to this place, etc.? And he asked us if we were interested in this kind of audio. And we said, of course we are. So Sage and a few of his friends both participated in this event and also interviewed dozens of people around them and sent us a bunch of audio. Uh, We've used a lot of it here. And so thank you for doing this, Sage. We're going to be having our own one-on-one with him and learn more about his story soon. But now, without any further ado... Man on the Street interviews from the LDS Mass Resignation of November 14th, 2015. Thank you very much, Sage. Okay, we're officially recording, and I'm going to hand the mic over to Lauren. Okay. Uh, my name is Lauren Elise McNamara, and I'm one of the coordinators here at the LDS Mass Resignation. And I'm David McNamara, her husband and participant. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So it is a honor to be here with you guys. We're actually here personally. We're participating in the events, but we're doing double duty. <laughs> uh, but the question I have for you, first and foremost, is why why organize this event? So that's the first question. Well, um, when uh, when we first uh, saw the news hits, it was actually I was it was online. I wandered off. Uh, Dave and I were watching a TV show, and I put it on pause to look up something. And as far as he knew, I wandered off and never came back, <laughs> which is a little rude on my part, but. Um, but uh, I, I saw what had happened, and I had actually announced that I was planning on to res- resign several weeks prior to that, but didn't feel ready to actually put in the paperwork. And when I saw the announcement, I said, that's, that's it. I don't want my name on this. This has to happen now. And I, I went into a couple of my forums that I am involved in on Facebook, and I said, you know, this is, this is where I'm at. And several other women particularly concurred and said, you know, we, we need to go. This is terrible. There seemed to be a real outcry online. And uh, I kind of jokingly said, maybe it's time for another mass resignation. Uh, Kate Kelly is a friend of mine on Facebook where we've 
we don't really know each other very well, but I've met her a couple times, and, and she was a speaker at the last one. So I reached out to her, and I said, do you know if anyone's doing one of these uh, in regards to this? And she said immediately, why don't you do it? And I didn't even understand what she meant at first, but as soon as it clicked, I said, uh, oh, are you sure, you know? <laughs> Okay, yeah. And I, I went back in my groups and I said, if no one else is doing this, is this a need? Do you, do you guys want, is this what you need to happen? And it was an overwhelming, yes, yes, please, we need this to happen. So some of the women put me in contact with uh, some people in John Dellen's forum online who were having a similar conversation. And we just, we, we put the event, event up and immediately I was contacted by several people who had put together the last few mass resignations and we just hit the ground running. Awesome. And I'll, I'll be sure to get your husband in just a second, too. But I'm going to finish the line of questions with you. Lorenzo, uh, as most people know, last night there was a release, or sometime yesterday there was a release of a, you know, quote-unquote clarification coming from the church. Has that changed any of the tone of this, or has that had any impact uh, that you can tell, either on yourself or some of the people that were planning on attending? Well, it hasn't had any impact on me. I have a PR background, and I... Um, I find it to be backpedaling, and you're, it's, this is still a church that's been openly discriminating against people for a number of years, that's been actively against civil rights and the rights of many people, women, people of color, and the LGBT community for decades. So this was just to move further in that direction and to take a half step back really no, didn't make a difference for me. Uh, there was talk in the communities of people that were kind of still waiting for the church to make clarification, that hadn't made a decision, that that may have made a difference for them. But as far as people that were done, this was already a compound effect. This was not one thing. Perfect. So the I think the question on a lot of people's minds is why why resign? Why not just step away? You know, or why not go quietly? Why, why do this? Why actually publicly? Well, why resign at all, but also why publicly resign? Well, two reasons. One, to make a statement to the church to say this is not okay what you're doing and how you're treating people. But more importantly, it's actually really difficult to leave the LDS church. I'm a, an adult convert. I'm not from Utah. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that people tend to lose everything when they leave, leave the church. I like to say that you can judge the Christianity of an organization by how easy or hard it is to leave. And when people leave this church, sometimes they lose whole families. There doesn't seem to be a lot of respect for people's process, for their freedom of choice, of agency, for their freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And so a lot of people, even though they were ready to make this decision, didn't really feel safe to do it. Uh, they are sacrificing potential relationships within their family who aren't going to respect this decision. And so we needed a safe place for them to do this, to say, even if you're going to lose some community back home, you have a new community if you need it. Perfect. So this is my final question. What would you say to people that, you know, they're not necessarily here today, but they're, they're close. They're on, they're considering resigning. They're considering what is the next step because they realize the church is not the place for them. What advice would you give to them? Well, uh, first of all, I would say, you know, don't do anything you're not ready to do. Um, you know, spirituality is really, really personal. Um, don't let anybody make you stay. Don't let anybody make you go. Um, but mostly do what you feel in your heart is right for you and what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel loved. So um, if you're ready to leave, the process for the LDS Church is actually kind of complex and a little bit, you know, uh, dragged out. So there are forums online, there are websites. Uh, Mark Nagel has offered his services as legal representation to make the process a lot shorter and a lot easier, and I do recommend that to anyone who wants to go through the process and just make it a little, little bit simpler. Perfect. So there's, there's one little sort of tagline thing that we're having everybody say. So if you would 
look at the camera if you're comfortable and say, it's all we're saying is, it's okay, you are loved, you can go. Okay. <laughs> that got me. <laughs> wow. It's okay, you are loved, you can go. Thank you. Josh, you ready? All right, here we are, and it's Mark. David. David. <laughs> I don't even know where Mark came from. It's one of those names. Uh, okay, so we were here with David, and I'm going to hand the mic over to you, and if you would just look at the camera and similarly just say your full name and what your role is in this in this event. I'm David McNamara. Uh, my wife, Lauren's one of the organizers, and I'm a participant of the event. Is it okay if we use this publicly in the podcast? Thank you. Okay. Uh, so, David, are you are you actually resigning today? And if so, why are you doing this? Uh, I am resigning today. Um, and for me, uh, I'm also not originally from the Mormon church. Uh, you know, I converted as an adult. So I don't have a lot of family ties that I'm worried about losing. But for me, what this is really about is uh, a statement that, you know, the, the idea that this isn't a topic open to discussion, that, that we can't sit down and have a civil discourse about these issues um, and acknowledge the fact that both sides have legitimate points to them um, is unacceptable. Right? And, and I want to make sure that, in my opinion, that that statement is clear to the church, that this is not a, an acceptable way to move forward uh, where we just dismiss different viewpoints and say that ours is the only way forward. Awesome. So I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, all that resigning does is just sort of hurt yourself, right? That this doesn't impact the church. All you're really doing is just sort of, you know, now going into the shadows. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment? And, and if not, uh, how can resigning actually have an impact? Well, first off, um, I don't necessarily agree that it's just hurting yourself. Uh, I think a lot of the people that are here today resigning are doing so because they're already hurt. Um, and they're trying to stop that hurt from continuing on. So in a sense, right away, it's a, it's a beneficial for the person in, in question. But more than that, um, I've seen that this is a church that changes very slowly. And that change often comes about because of the protest of former members, because they see the number, membership dwindling and the membership complaining. If we don't speak out and try to enhance our understanding of the gospel and try to enhance our understanding of what it means to be divine, then the church will just stay where it is and no progress will be made. And everybody in the church is hurt by that. So your wife mentioned, and it seems like a lot of people here today are here because of the recent policy change. Is that one of the reasons that you're here as well? Is that one of the things that pushed you that direction? I'm actually just asking right now real quick. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. So the question I have then is why this issue? Why now? Uh, Because, you know, I think the church has a sort of a history of doing shitty things to people but you know why why was this such a flashpoint do you think both maybe for yourself and for the people that are coming to your event uh well i'm hesitant to speak for anybody else uh but for me it was a flashpoint because from the time at which i had joined the church about four years five five years ago till now um there'd been a a distinct softening of the stance in my opinion right there was a, a still a condemnation but they were at least making overtures to be more open to the discussion to be more open to the uh, ideas that might be presented by the other side. 
Um, what this said was that was uh, a misconception. People were misunderstanding us. We're not open at all. And we want to make that perfectly clear to everybody. Uh, this is them shutting the door in our face, not the other way around. Perfect. David, that is awesome. So similar final question. Uh, what advice do you give to anybody that is currently struggling right now or is con contemplating making the next step in their life? Uh, yeah, what advice do you have for them? Uh, just to educate yourself, you know. Um, the, like Lauren said, this is a, obviously a very personal issue for everybody with your membership in the church or spirituality. Um, and don't let anyone else make the decision for you, you know. Don't be afraid to do the research. Don't be afraid to talk to people on both sides of the uh, question and see what all the viewpoints are and see which one resonates with you the best. See which one, you know, you agree with and, and seems true to you in your heart. Perfect. And then, David, if you would just similarly look into the camera and give us that little byline, it's, it's okay, you are loved, you can go. It's okay, you are loved, and you can go. David, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Good job on this event. My name is Kimberly, and I am here today because, well, first of all, I was born into Mormonism, and I grew up very active in the church. I believed it with all of my heart. I've served as primary president. I've served in Young Women's Presidency, and I was Relief Society president. And then I met the love of my life, actually, at church another woman in our ward and um, we have been together for nearly 12 years now in fact we'll be married legally on our 12th anniversary and I did have children from a previous marriage and um, I am here today to stand up for all children because um, call me an apostate call me immoral call me whatever you want to I don't really care but when we're taking children and separating them into a different group and categorizing them as an other, as a separate, as a as an ostracized group in a community, that is very wrong. And I have to stand up for these kids. Um, I have to stand up for the underdogs against church-sanctioned bullying, which is what this new policy does. Even with the softening of the policy, it doesn't change that. Any um, child from a divorce situation where they started out in the church, and then what it's going to do is it's going to also alienate the gay parent um, by setting up a situation where um, extended family members and church and things are going to, you know, kind of alienate the gay parent and fight for custody for the religious parent, whether that's the right thing for the child or not. The, the gay parent is going to be the alienated parent. And um, I've seen it already occurring since this has been in the media. This is, I have a cousin that's going through a divorce right now, and the divorce was going very smoothly until these policies and then the amended one came out. I think the amended one is even worse for this situation because it will alienate that parent and she is clearly the better parent and yet now everyone is throwing their support around the father who's actually mentally ill but nobody wants the child now to go with the capable mother because she happens to be gay so it's really rather unfortunate Kimberly thank you for that um, and I'm also celebrating my 12 year anniversary this year too so congratulations we're 12 Z's uh, so 
everything that you, you talked about was very well said. I might have you elaborate on a few points just, just briefly. So the first one, of course, is I, I, think, it's, I think it's clear that the fact that uh, this policy impacts children has set off, you know, that's kind of what set off the firestorm. It, it, it touches a nerve. But I love that you also mentioned that, uh, you know, what's being forgotten this whole, I think in many of these discussions, is the parents themselves, right, uh, of, of the children. So it's like, oh, how dare you <laughs> touch the children? But, you know, what about, what about the parents, you know, and the policy impacts them just as much. So uh, if you would, could you maybe just give me a little bit of insight as to, you know, how is it that, that not only the children in this case are impacted, but the parents as well? Okay, so in divorcing situations, um, judges look at how the child has been raised previously to the divorce. They want to know, they want the child to continue on with the same set of morals and values and um, situations, the church that they've been raised in to that point. And so um, that automatically kind of disqualifies the gay parent as to being... um, you know, the one to have the majority share of the custody. Um, and it leaves it rather ambiguous, too, the way the handbook policy has been clarified. A lot of divorce cases, especially of younger children, um, the parents are getting 50-50 custody. So what does that do in that situation? It's not clear with the clarification even. And so... Um, I can see that over time, this will just continue to um, further alienate the the gay parent as extended family throws their support around the uh, religious parent, the religious non-gay parent. Um. That's excellent. Thank you. So you mentioned sort of the clarification, and I've heard people... uh, you know, say things like, well, this is actually going to hopefully lead to less confusion in children's lives, you know, sort of throwing that, that somehow making this policy clarifies things somehow. What do you have to say to that? So there's two different situations I see happening. One situation is where gay parents are either, um, they either got together and then decided to have children, like, say, for example, adoption and or in vitro fertilization. And in those situations, most, even if they came from a Mormon background, are not really choosing to raise their children in the Mormon church. Who this really affects in a very, very negative way are families that are um, that originally came from Mormonism. Um, even if a parent was gay, they were trying to do the straight hetero thing and got married, you know, in Mormonism and raised their children in Mormonism. Now that they're divorcing, that is the situation where where um, you know choices are having to be made and somebody's going to be in and somebody's going to be out. And in this situation, and probably this is what the church wants anyway, is for that um, gay parent to be ostracized. And I forgot the original question. <laughs> That's okay. That was, that was great. I'm going to go with that. So I have, I have one final question. What advice do you give to anybody that is feeling that conflict, that is feeling like they need to do something to distance themselves from the church, but they're scared or you know feel like they don't have that permission Uh, What advice do you give to anybody right now that wants to make that next move but is hesitant or scared? So that's a good question, and and it kind of runs the gamut depending on where you are at right now. Um, There are people that I know who haven't been to church for decades, don't really believe it. For them, leaving the church is not a painful process, and it feels good to take 
the power a little bit and distance yourself from what many see as a bigoted, prejudiced organization. Um, I would say for people who are still active members, but this does not sit right with them, um, there's a reason it does not sit right with you. And you should listen to your conscience. There's, I feel like, you know, this is the guide that we've all been given in our lives, that moral compass that we need to listen to. And I feel like a lot of times in the church, we're taught to ignore that little voice. Um, when things don't quite seem right, whether it's about polygamy or Mountain Meadows Massacre or strange things in the temple or anything like that, we're kind of taught to ignore things that don't feel right and just trust our leaders. But they've come out and said that they are not infallible and um, they have made mistakes in the past and I feel like this is a current mistake. And so trust that and stand up for what's right, whether you stay within the church to do that or whether you leave. But there is a power in not letting the religion, the dogma have rule over you. There's a freedom in moving to the other side of that. And for some people, it's quite a journey. For me, it was because I had believed it with all my heart. It took me a couple of years to kind of process and unlearn everything I'd been learned. And, and I had to kind of figure things out for myself. It's kind of like when I realized the church wasn't true. It's like I had been putting everything as a Mormon, everything that I believed in into this drawer. I had a testimony of prayer. I had a testimony of church attendance. I had a testimony of all these things. And when I realized the church wasn't true, um, and it's like this whole drawer got dumped and I'm looking around at this mess thinking, what do I pick up again? What do I believe in? And it took me a while to really flesh that out and figure it out. But now I live with more integrity and more honesty than I ever have because I've been able to say, this is what's right. Being kind to others is right. Opening your arms to everyone is right. And I've been able to move on and kind of establish that um, for me, religion is not really organized religion is not really necessary for me in my life. I would say I'm kind of a spiritual person. I love the human race, period. Um, and I'm just, you know, my religion's to do good to all men, and that's that's where I'm at, and that's what fits for me. But other people find other churches. Um, other people just do all kinds of different things, and so you just have to find what fits and feels right for you. That was awesome. So we have we have sort of one tagline thing we're having everybody say, only if you're comfortable, but you probably will be, because all we're having people say is, it's okay, you are loved, you can go. It's okay, you are loved, so loved, and you can go. Kimberly, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You don't know me. I'm not just one of your many toys. You don't know me. So, uh, as you mentioned, my name's Sam. Um, I am here just to basically show support. Um, I am not necessarily on the uh, on the edge, you know. I'm not ready to take the plunge for resignation right now, but in the last two or three years, I've really seen a big shift in, um, in my personal journey, basically diving into church history, also diving into, you know, the social issues that the church um, participates in and sometimes creates itself and uh, i just see uh, either leaving without resignation or resignation itself are perfectly fine avenues for people to continue their spiritual journey and i want to support them and uh, at least uh, let them know that people are here who who maybe aren't resigning but still love them and feel that that's again a perfectly healthy avenue for for them and and probably in the long run could turn out to be a, a better spiritual home for them outside the church than in 
So what was, uh, what was your reaction to the recent policy change? Um, so, so the policy change itself was a gut punch, obviously. I saw it late that, I think it was Thursday night. And the first reaction was, you know, shock and dismay. And like, no, this couldn't happen. No way. And then subsequent, well, yeah, of course it could. Because <laughs> if you know a thing about church history or, or the way the church operates, of course it could happen. And, you know, the thing that was more damaging for me, more than the policy, although I certainly empathize with all the our gay and lesbian brethren uh, and sisters and uh, their plight, and I have a deep empathy for them, for me, personally, the deeper impact was the aftermath, um, and, and the aftermath on social media, and the news, and perfectly good, sane, rational, empathetic, lovely people flipping the switch and putting a rubber stamp approval on this, this policy simply because they believe so-and-so speaks to God and says that it's okay, and in no uncertain terms... Um, rationalizing bigotry because, you know, God's not a bigot. When he says it, it's not bigotry. That type of a reaction. You know, having conversation with my parents and basically having to say to them, like, the age-old discussion between a, a parent and a child where the parents are saying, you know, we raised you better than this. You know, I, I literally had a conversation with my parents of, like, you raised me better than this and you're better than this. Like, I don't understand how you can support this. And, uh, and, and just having them be completely oblivious to the irony there and just this, you're better than this discussion. And, and it was really sad for me. So for me, the damage was done by the policy, but also the rank and file acceptance of the membership. So Sam, what would you say? Uh, cause you know, I've, I've heard this, I heard like lots and lots of active, you know, members saying, oh, this made me so mad or, you know, I don't, I don't agree, you know, but. Uh, I feel like you know the time of neutrality is really is really over. So, what would you say is the responsibility now of the active members if they actually don't if they actually don't agree with this? That's a good question. I think everybody is searching that out for themselves. Um, had a lot of conversations last night with a group that that we are a part of that we're trying to figure things out and you know trying to attend but also trying to move the needle. And I think it's everybody that goes through this has the exact same discussion in their head. How much is it worth to push this boulder up the hill? How much pain and suffering is it worth to keep trying to move this and then push and push and push only to have that boulder f roll on top of you and smash you and then go back and try it again? So, so for me, I feel like my responsibility is to continually weigh the, the empathy for members and also for, for me, like kind of taking an empathetic approach for them and saying, I don't necessarily think it's their fault they think this way, you know? Um, they have been institutionally, you know, they're institutionally raised to think this way. And so being empathetic to their plight, but also weighing the, the pain and estrangement you feel at church versus the potential good you could do is a balancing act. So for me, it's when that estrangement and that pain and that complete... Um, uh, what's the word, uh, misidentity or not being able to identify with the people who are around me, when that becomes too great, then that's going to be a signal for me to just part ways. So you mentioned earlier that, that you're personally okay if people decide to step away or go or here we are at a resignation. Uh, 
Tell me, how, how can an active member square that concept away? Because isn't it giving up your eternal salvation forever and ever and ever? That's, that's true. And, and, you know, uh, I guess on the face of it, that's exactly what it is. Uh, if you're a true, believing, active member who literally believes every single word that comes out of the prophet's mouth, then yeah, yeah that is technically, you know, giving up your, your salvation for a mess of porridge, if, as they say. But um, I, I don't know how they square that away. I wouldn't consider myself a totally... I, I, while I'm active in that I attend every week... Um, I'm far from believing. Uh, I think I've come to that realization over the last couple of years. So, so for me, because I don't believe the church is the only true church of God, and I don't believe that Tommy Monson speaks to God in his you know special room, and I'm not being degrading. I'm trying not to be, but I just don't believe that. And so, I think there are many avenues to God, and uh, there's more good outside the church and in, if nothing else, just by the sheer size of everything else relative to the church. So there are, there are plenty of paths to goodness and truth, and uh, the church can be an impediment to that, to, to many or most. Just a couple more questions. Uh, so tell me, how much better do you feel now that the church actually did clarify their stance just a day ago? Uh, too little, too late, you know. Uh, the damage has been done. Um, you know, I will give props where props are due, which is they saw the, the damage this policy would cause across the board and decided to lessen that. Now, whether they did that out of the goodness of their heart or they had that original intent, if they had that original intent, then you have to realize that they're completely inept, right? Because you don't put a rule in a handbook full of legal jargon and carefully chosen words without thinking about that for a long time and seeing how that would actually play out. But public opinion has been so outrageous that I feel like they felt like they had to soften it. But the damage is done, and uh, same-sex couples are still excluded. Their children are still excluded. Um, the, the casualties are lowered, but they're still there. Just because, you know, 100 people are affected instead of 1,000, that's still 100 people that are affected. And I know that's not literal numbers, but the damage is done and the, the rank and file membership are still in agreement you know they're going to defend it at all costs and I realize that for me that's just as bad if not worse okay so last question so what do you what would you say to anybody that really was struggling really did feel like they needed to make some sort of change needed to do some sort of forward pushing action in their lives uh, but you know they feel scared or feel like they don't necessarily have the permission or you know they don't know if they can um, I guess my, my suggestion for them would be to take it slow, think it through, no rash decisions, uh, because I, not necessarily the rash decision is wrong, it's just that you never have the opportunity to take something back. But go slow, and then um, there's a real power that comes from owning your own spiritual experience. And once you are okay with owning your own spiritual experience, whatever you choose will be best for you. I'm confident of that. So once you own that... Um, and you feel that no one else can really tell you what you should or shouldn't do, and you have that connection with whatever higher power you believe in, then it, it, you lose that sense of needing to ask for permission. You lose that sense of, is this okay? You just, you just do it, and it feels great, and the freedom that it brings is, is, is very uh, meaningful. All right, so if you can give us our little tagline thing, we've been having people say, it's okay, you are loved, you can go. Okay, well, uh, lesbian and, and gay brothers and sisters, uh, those who sympathize, those who 
uh, are questioning or hurting or don't feel like they have a place, uh, it's okay. You are loved, and uh, it's okay to leave. Thanks, Sam. Joshy Filman. Okay, and was it Marilee? Uh-huh. All right, I'm here with Marilee. I'm going to hand the mic to her. And Marilee, if you just give me your name, and if you just say why you're here today, and then I'll have some more follow-up questions. Okay. Um, my name is Marilee Beebe, and I'm here today because anything that marginalizes and stigmatizes children, and that marginalizes and stigmatizes gays, it's just unacceptable. It's just I can't tolerate it. I've I've served a mission for this church. I've been young women's president. I've taught Sunday school. I've taught Relief Society. This is not the church I know. This is not following the Savior. And that's why I'm here. Excellent. So uh, I know for a lot of people it was the recent policy change that... Right, cause problem. Uh, tell me, has your opinion of that change has been softened by the church's clarifications that they've recently come out with? If anything, the clarification made it worse. They're trying to justify the unjustifiable. It cannot be justified. It's just wrong. It's you're talking about children. I, I'm a I'm a school teacher. You, can't, it's it's an impossible. It's impossible. It, uh, even friends of mine who are completely devout are having so much trouble with this policy. I'm going to try to make sure you guys don't lose your place in line. <laughs> so, Mary, tell me, uh, you know, why resignation? A lot of people would say that, well, by doing that, you're really only just hurting yourself. You're not actually making a difference. Uh, what would you say to that? Why have you made this choice today? Well, I've actually been an atheist for over a decade, but I'm technically on the church rolls. And I was just too lazy. I, I'm not against the church. I have, I have people I love very much who are in the church, and um, I, I don't want to attack the church. I, I, I'm not like some vicious person. I just, I just cannot be associated in any way with this policy. It, it's just an impossible. It can't, I just can't even. There aren't any words. You're talking about children, stigmatizing children, marginalizing them, making their family less than. How, how is that godly? It's, it's just horrible. Thank you. So, so tell me for what have to be at least thousands, if not more, of people who are right now facing uh, some really tough decisions. Yeah. Right, and I'm talking about active members or people who have been struggling for a while, but feel like they need to make that one extra one extra step, but are maybe a little scared or maybe feel like they don't have permission. Uh, what do you have to say to those people? Well, my friend who is incredibly devout, she says it's a policy; it's not doctrine. It hasn't been um, given common consent by the church. Um, if it ever were introduced as um, doctrine. Uh, congregants could stand up in conference and say, I disagree with this policy. 
and if you're struggling, it's it's so personal. It's it's really up to that person. It's it's their salvation. It's their moral compass. It's their integrity. Um, they have to do what's right for them. Nobody can make that call for them, but them. And I would just say to them that I love you. If if your family rejects you, and if the church rejects you. I love you, and everybody here loves you, because our love isn't conditional, and it's not tainted. That's what I would say. Uh, So, Mary, I have have just one more question, and then uh, we have a little statement that we're having everybody say. Uh, But first, the question is, you know, the, the church says that this actually is being done to prevent confusion, in the children of families of, of gays or lesbians. Uh, I'd like to know sort of your take on what do you think this policy is, the impact this policy is actually going to have on those families. It's going to make children, if children were trying to be devout Mormons and their their parents are being treated this way, it's going to make them feel that their parents are wrong or less than and that that they're going to just feel compromised. They're, they're not going to... I don't know. I my niece is um, is gay, and she's the kind of person that brings home, you know, broken, lost souls and interesting, quirky people. She's just the most compassionate, loving person in the world, and anybody would be so lucky to have her as a parent and to have any child think less of her or feel less than by being mothered by her is a crime it's it's not it's it's so inaccurate to who she is the loving beautiful person that she is and everybody has gay relatives we all have people that we love that are gay i mean it's just not okay they have a right to love somebody and get married i have the right to love somebody and get married they should have the right to love somebody and get married and they should have the right to have their children if it's their wish, be blessed or baptized, because children are innocent. And even if they're cut off from the church, which is a horror in itself, their children should not be punished. That was very well said. Okay. So my final, our final thing, we're having everybody say this, only if you're comfortable, but I think you will be. We're having everybody say, it's okay, you can go, you are loved. Actually, I, it's... it's it's okay. You are loved. You can go. Okay. <laughs> I knew I had it right. I want to make sure you get it right. Does that sound all right? Yeah. All right. Here it is with Mike. So again, it's, it's okay. You are loved. You can go. It's okay. You are loved. You can go. My name is Elijah, like the Bible. Um, so I'm here for reasons twofold. One, a very good friend of mine is doing a journalism project, and she's documenting the stuff. Two, I left the church, quote-unquote, left the church when I was like 10 years old, youngest of a family of five, all Mormon. And from that, for the next 11 years, it was not a thing in my life. Like, you know, I had my rebellious period where I was anti-theistic, and I was like rabble-rousing and shit, and then stuff happened, and I was like, yeah, man, 
people are cool religious people non-religious people it's all good just love people and then you know some shit goes down and i go hold on the negative uh aspects of being associated with this religion definitely outweigh my melancholy about it and it needs to be taken care of that is awesome, Eli. So tell me, why is it, uh, I'm just assuming here, but why was it this, say, recent policy change that, uh, I mean, because the church has done a lot of sort of shitty things in the past, but why was it this thing at this time now that maybe inspired you to take action? Churches have a very long history, you know, going way back of being the last to accept social reform. Catholicism with fucking everything. Uh, Mormonism with, you know, civil rights, things like that. And honestly, when the, cha- when, the, when the policy change was made, I went, man, that's fucking weird. That seems real schizophrenic by the church because, you know, 50% of the community is totally for LGBT stuff. And then they started redacting things, pulling the teeth out of the, the change, and that is what put me off because I went, hold on. You don't get to make an inherently evil decision and then give a gateway for people to be apologists about that decision, decision because that's... That's so consciously being unethical, being aware of your shit fuckery and, and giving a people a way to rationalize hatred, which is uncouth. So, you know, people would, people would say that, you know, really what the church is doing is, well, and this is what the church itself said, was that, you know, they're actually trying to clarify their position to not cause confusion in children or families that might actually want to be involved. Uh, what's your sort of response to that idea that, well, this is just really clarifying a position that they've always always had, and why would it, people that are gay want to be a part of it anyway? Um, it's a snarky response. That is, sure, it is them saying, oh, well, we've always felt this way. But there's a difference between holding a belief sort of subterraneously in a, in a community and then making it a systemic uh, application of that belief. It's very different. So, one, one final question. What would you say is the responsibility now of, you know, the, honestly, hundreds and hundreds of members that I've heard that say, well, that's not me, I don't feel this way, I don't agree. Um, you know, I mean, they're still, they're still active, but in their hearts they don't, they don't agree with it. What would you say is now their responsibility uh, since this policy has been codified? Their responsibility is what they feel is right, and Ultimately, the, 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 the hope is that them doing what they feel is right leads to some change either in their personal uh, application of their faith in their community or in their families. And I'm not going to tell anyone what to do or what they should do or should not do because ultimately it's something that's in your own heart. If you feel it's wrong but not wrong enough to say something, that's on you. And I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for that. I'm going to tell you that the thing that you believe is probably immoral, but you're still a good person. All right, so either we have one little sort of coda that we're having everybody say. If you're comfortable with it, we are having people say to the camera, it's okay, you are loved, you can go. Listen, dog, it's okay. You're loved and you can go. Eli, thank you so much. It was great. Open up the gate to the church and let me out of here. Too many people have lied in the name of Christ for anyone to heed the call. Too many people have died in the name of Christ, and I can't believe it all. And now I'm standing on the grave of a soldier that died in 1799. And the day he died, it was a birthday, and I noticed it was mine. And 
my head didn't know just who I was And I went spinning back in time And I am high Up on the so, Ryan, I'm going to give you the mic, and if you could just give me your name and then also why you're here today. What are you hoping to accomplish? I just want to speak out against the church and support any children that are being ostracized from the community because of this new statement that the church has made. And just show that everybody is loved. I support every human, no matter what their beliefs are. And just hoping to show that I support anybody in the community. And so, uh, are you actually resigning today? Yes, I have my letter with me. Okay, so tell me, what is it that, um, what is it that has sparked you to decide now to resign, and why resignation? Like, what does that really accomplish? Um, I just don't want to be affiliated with the church at all. I don't want them to include me as a member, my name to be associated with that at all, um, and just a lot of the stereotype from being from Utah, traveling outside of the state, the first thing people think is, oh, you're Mormon or you're a polygamist. And I just want to be able to say that, no, I'm not associated with that. But No, I do support all types of love. And um, today I chose to resign uh, just because I, I want to help flood their mailroom with a bunch of letters. It's not necessarily something that's been on the back of my mind on my list of things to do, but I have been wanting to do it for a while, and this just seemed like a good opportunity to join in with a good, a good, a good group of people. So what, what do you think are the actual real-life human impacts that the church's new policy is actually going to have on people? I just feel like uh, within, more for the children in schools and public places, um, growing up, even I was raised Mormon, and so I, I saw firsthand that people that weren't, um, weren't included on things like birthday parties and, and groups, and they were looked down upon uh, for not being a part of the church. And it's not really my choice that I joined. My parents just joined me for it. And I even grew up with a friend that had uh, two moms, and kids would make fun of him all the time for it. And it's not his choice at all. I always thought that was really weird. Um, so I just feel like it'll just cause conflict on the playgrounds and things for kids to look down upon and make fun of people for that. And I, I don't think that should happen. So what... What do you? What would you like to say to anybody that is feeling inside of their heart right now that it's time for a change, it's time to take some action, maybe they're scared of leaving or stepping away? Uh, what would you say to people in that position? Uh, that's kind of a tough question. I mean, <laughs> but there's a lot of people to talk to about it with that um, if you've, you're not alone in doing it, that's for sure. Um, and that, yeah, if, if it might not be the right time for them, so whenever they do feel it's it's right or that... They're not going to hurt anyone's feelings by doing it. Um, that's not the intention behind any of this. It's to show love and support for everybody. So um, I would definitely encourage people to do it, but if they don't feel like the time's right, then time's not right for them. Perfect. So we have we have one little sort of coda thing we're having. <laughs> Get your chance. Boom. Uh, we have one, a little coda we're having everybody say at the end of their interview, if you're comfortable, and it's basically, it's okay, you are loved, you can go. Comfortable with that? Go and do it to the camera. It's okay. You are loved. You can go. What I want from you is empty your head. Will they say be true and don't stain your bed? But we do 
what we need to be free and this leans on me just like a rootless tree okay so we have melanie and kira all right josh you running so melanie right okay so melanie i'm gonna hand you the mic and then what i'd like you to do is say your name and why you're here, and then hand it over to Kira, and just do the same thing. Just just your name, and why you're here. And you can keep it short, so if it's just, we're here to resign from the Mormon Church, because I'll be asking you more questions later, okay? My name is Melanie, and I'm here to resign from the Mormon Church. My name is Kira, and I'm here to resign from the Mormon Church as well. Thank you. So my first question is, why resignation? Why not just go? Why not just go quietly? I had gone quietly for 22 years and just was inactive. And then when this came out, there's no time like today. And same question for you. So why, why resignation? Well, I think that it just like was pushed over the edge for no reason. Like, like why couldn't, shouldn't your kids be able to be in the church? Because like obviously... I'm, I like girls, so I'm going to want kids one day, and if I wanted my child to get blessed, I wouldn't be able to. That was awesome. Just one quick thing. Keep the mic just kind of right about there, but it's okay. It'll still be fine. But you guys, that's awesome. So I've heard from a number of people say things like this. Uh, I mean, this policy is really just trying to clarify, trying to avoid confusion in kids, or or why would you know gay individuals want to be a part of the church like it's really for their own good. What do you have to say to that? I think it's something they say to make themselves feel better. Uh, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah, that's that was maybe a rhetorical question. So uh, just in response to this idea that, okay, it, it's maybe going to reduce confusion or maybe we could somehow uh, pretend like this doesn't impact real people, maybe could you tell me what what is the real human cost? What is the impact of policies like this? in the lives of, I don't know, almost anybody, really. Um, I think it estranges families. This is my daughter. She's gay. If she chooses to have children and, say, had somebody that, like her father, that wanted them blessed, basically the church is saying, because your mother is Kira, you can't do that. It's ridiculous. It should teach kids to love their family and to love each other rather than wonder other things. That was pretty good, actually. I'm happy with that, yeah. So, Kira, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the impact really, really is uh, with a policy like this? Like, what, what does it really do to real people? Um, I think it really impacts the family. And, like, obviously a lot of people are, are here for their families because like, they feel like it's not right for their family to be put, like, in this away from everybody else just because... They're gay and they have kids that want to be blessed, which is stupid. So. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but the Mormon Church is all about family. So, uh, <laughs> our podcast gets a little snarky sometimes. But I'm trying to keep it nice. So, uh, did the church ever have value in your life? Is the first part of the question. And if so, why step away in such a permanent, in a permanent way? I know you've been kind of inactive for a while, but, you know, you're sort of permanently losing your salvation, right? <laughs> the first part of that question, I was born and raised LDS. I was first married in the temple, um, active 
until 22 years ago when they had the September 6th that were all excommunicated for being gay, intellectual, or feminist. And I was two out of three of those things. The reason why it was important today to make that permanent is because this is my daughter, and I love her. All right, so this is a final question, and both of you, if you could give me a quick answer. So what do you say to anybody right now uh, that's you know not here but still is feeling feeling that need to make a change, feeling that need to do something, what advice do you have to them? I would say reach out and be true to yourself because there's a lot of people, obviously, that are here and have had the similar feelings. So just reach out. Um, I'd say probably just that if you're confused about what you want to do, maybe come to something like this you can talk to people because a lot of people have a lot of information to let you know and maybe help you decide which route you want to go all right that is that is awesome so we have a little thing that we're having everybody say at the end of the interview if you're comfortable i think you will be it's it's okay you are loved you can go saying into the camera you're right with that it's okay you are loved you can go My name is Nikki, and I'm here because this is a decision that I've been thinking about for a really long time, and it feels really good to finally get it over with. Hi, my name is Coco. I'm here to finally officially resign from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's going to be a good life-changing thing. So if you could, just tell me why, why here, why now, what does this prompt you to finally make this decision? The policy change, um, the recent policy change for the Mormon Church is a big contributor to my decision on this. And I've been thinking about this for years. Um, I've had a lot of doubts about the Mormon Church. I was raised in the Mormon Church, and I've always questioned it. And with all the recent change and with coming out and being able to build my own life on my own beliefs um i feel like this is necessary for me what was the question (laughs) question is why now oh why now okay um well this has just been something looming over my life for a while now i haven't been active in the church for almost two years um and I'm obviously in a homosexual relationship and that's completely against the church's stance um But I've just been wanting to resign for a while because I don't believe it. I've been just doing church things because that's what was supposed—that's what I was supposed to do. But now that I'm like out on my own, it's just a really good decision, good time for me to be here doing this. So a lot of people would say that you know resigning only really hurts yourself. It's not going to influence the church at all. It makes no difference. Uh, What would you say to that? I would say it's helping me um, because I don't any I don't want anything to do with the church anymore, um, and I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes on with statements like that. Um, I I feel like I feel so good about making this decision, and I for years I felt guilty because of how I was raised, and I felt question like I would second guess myself and then I would I feel like 
being authentic with myself, this is what feels right to me. And it's my truth. Um, for me, this is a personal decision, but um, I myself, I know that the church doesn't have any authority over my life. So I just wanted to make it official, tell them that they don't have any authority over my life. And this is just how I'm living my life and it's my life. So that's my, that's why I decided to do this. Awesome. Just a couple more questions. So at any, uh, did the church ever have value for you at any point in your life? I mean, I'll just say just that. Um, When I was younger, when, I mean, I haven't been active in the church for a good seven, eight years, but when I was younger and I was still figuring out my identity, um, I felt that it resonated with me because that's what my friends were doing. And now, for years now, most of them are all married off. And it, I, I still felt, I felt so closeted and I felt like I was hiding so many parts of myself. And it's not just the, the sexuality part, but just what I believed and how I thought and even what I want to pursue with my own life. Um, yeah. The church did have a lot of value in my life. Um, I was active all the way up until I was 18. Um, but growing up, I was always in leadership. I was the Beehive president, the My Maid uh, counselor, um, the Laurel counselor, and then the stake youth counselor. So I ha- held a lot of responsibility in the church. Um, it taught me how to be a leader and have a sense of community. It was really important for me at that time growing up because it helped me get a gauge on I can make a difference but now it's become irrelevant in my life it was just important for the sense of community really so there's a sentiment out there that you know uh once you leave the church then you know you don't know what to do at a red light you know everything is black you know everything that was white turns black uh what, what would you say to anybody that is that is afraid to make that next step because they're afraid of what a life post-mormonism could have what would you say to someone like that? Um, I would say that to make this decision, it's a new beginning, and that this world is so big and so full of so many different opportunities and ways to create your life and what you want it to look like and to create your truth and to create a sense of community and belonging, and it doesn't have to be with the church. And if that doesn't resonate with someone, then they should be open and free to pursue whatever they want to pursue. Well, the... F- If people feel like they need a structured religion to tell them how to live their life, then they should reevaluate their morals. Because I feel like everybody deep down, they have a sense of right and wrong. And that might not be the same for everybody. But if you just follow your heart, really, then as long as you're not hurting people um, or yourself intentionally, then there's no harm in, in things if there's not... A strict guideline and stuff around that so don't worry about it. it's okay you are loved you can go Sandy, what's your name? Okay, so Sandy and Micah. Um, my name is Sandy Newcomb, and I'm here to just be a support. I left the church in 2007, 2008. Um, the new policy change does affect my sister and her family. I'm here in support with all of the friends that it does affect. Um, I 
turning in my resignation today. Um, I've been out of the church since 2008. I've actually been out of the church since 2008 as well. I resigned formally in August 2008 because of Prop 8 and was here seven years ago for the first protest against the church for Prop 8 passing on November 7th. And that crowd was, it was phenomenal. And this, as is the one today, I, I have started a website since then running lifeaftermormonism.com or lifeaftermormonism.net, not .com. I always make that confusion. And uh, so I'm here supporting everybody that I know online and even those that I don't know who are affected by the policy changes and is affected by the, uh, the ch- damage the church does in dividing families by basically making kids have to choose and not just kids but even parents have to try and push for full custody or whatever so that they think their kids can be full participants in the church and even the clarification doesn't go far enough i mean the, what the first presidency said on friday because it lets it grandfathers and kids have been baptized but what about their younger siblings what about future generations of gays that marry straight people because of the church's influence and then have kids and end up divorcing as well so, and at the same time, I know the church really does damage people enough that I recommend they should just all get the heck out of Dodge. But so that's why I'm here is to support everybody and uh, and just let people know that they're loved and perfect just as they are. They don't need to be in the church anymore, which is why I have my sign saying that kids and LGBTs deserve better than the LDS Church. Cool. So. In an effort to sort of dispel sort of the typical assumptions that I think a lot of active members stuff will make about people that decide to leave, could you tell me a little bit about what value the church had for you in your life when you were in it? I think the value of the church when I was in it was um, the surface of the church I thought was wonderful. Um, the family values, the um, friendships, the... Um, I still see the close friendships in the ex-Mormon community um, because that is something that we learned and valued. Um, Friendships between members and ex-Mormons now um, become severed and they they don't practice um, keeping those friendships once somebody decides to leave. Um, I don't understand why they think that we are against them rather than we left out of own personal reasons and factual truth that we found out. Um, The amount of people that are losing family members, the family members that are being severed, um, that's not what the church is about. And with all of this coming forward, uh, I think, as you can tell by today, more and more people are um, seeing the truth of what the church is about. And a lot of people want to live their life knowing that we can have valued friendships and family. And religion has nothing to do with it. That is great. So, Micah, same same question to you. Uh, Did the church ever have value for you at one point? Well, I would definitely... I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, because I grew up in the church. I married in the church. I went on a mission. I have nine siblings, all of them still in the church. And fortunately for me, they've been good at still accepting us and welcoming us to their the family gatherings and they haven't cut off um, co- uh, communication or anything with us so the family values are still there and they they are for the most part good values as long as they're not being dis- or going to the distance of dis- uh, discrimination and divi- dividing families up 
So I think this, uh, this final question is particularly pertinent, uh, given the website that you have. I know a lot of people are afraid to make the steps that they feel like they need to make because, frankly, life post-Mormonism sounds scary. Like, what does it entail? Like, you know, is there happiness there? That kind of thing. So what message would you like to give to anybody that's um, afraid to leave and what life could be like afterwards? That is a good question because life is freaking amazing out after you get out. You think you're in you church from the inside, you're inside of a box, you're in a cave. You don't realize how well the rest of the world gets along without the church. Um, you have the freedom to follow your own conscience. You don't get, have to follow what the church dictates for you to believe. And, and even though the church says you can openly support gays, they have conflicting policies because now if you're a child of a gay couple, you cannot support gays. But they said just six months ago or whenever that you could. So life is just w- way freer after leaving the church. You can choose your own path. You can choose your own beliefs. You can have your integrity and follow it to a T because you don't have to try and please your God, your church, and your family. You can please yourself first and then and watch out for yourself and your family best. I guess the real question, though, is how do you know what to do at like a red light? I heard when the spirit's not there, you just have no clue. You just sit there motionless. Well, the, the, the influence of the Holy Ghost, whatever, that's supposedly guiding you, and it was never there to begin with. What you thought was the spirit was really just your own inside inner thoughts and feelings, and that's more than you need to make it outside of the church. Well said. So... Same, same question. Life after the church. I know you just resigned today, but you've been a, away from it a little bit. What do you have to say about anybody that's afraid of what that might have in store? I've been in their shoes. I've been back many times because that's the, the LDS church is all I knew. So you think that, that you have to keep going back, keep going back. But once you meet people from the real world, there's a, there's a meme going around Facebook right now that has skeletons. And, you know, you have Christians, you have blacks you have gays you have every single lifestyle and guess what we all have the same skeleton and i think that's just very true and life after mormonism is amazing is amazing don't forget the 10 percent raise <laughs> free 10 percent raise yeah it's okay you are loved you can go now every once in a while there's a crack in my smile Voices are talking to me. Dark voices tell me where it's supposed to be. They say breaking up. They said it's hard to do. What they say about breaking up? Oh, it's just not true. Break it up. Yeah, you know, there's just, there's never a spare moment, you know, when there's not noise. So what we're going to do, something over there too. So I'm going to hand you the mic. I'd just like you to just, each in turn, just give me your name and short, because I'll ask you questions later to sort of enumerate. But if you just give me your name and why you're here today. All right. So we'll start here. My name is Julia Gill, and I'm just here to have my name removed from the LDS records because I left the church a long time ago, and now I want to, I don't know, get off their list because screw them. (laughs) My name is Carrie Mercer, and I'm here to get my name taken off the records because I am also inactive for many years now, and 
don't want my name attached to any of that. Okay, so I think the question um, I have is why? Why now? All right, you guys say you haven't been active for a long time. So why now? Why today? Helicopters, ambulances, notwithstanding. Oh, no garbage. Okay, we're gonna kind of scooch ourselves this way a little bit. Okay, pretty much gone now. So the question again: Why today? Um, well, I've actually wanted to do it for a very long time, but I've been told by a lot of people that it's a very lengthy process and it could take up to six months to get it processed. And we found out doing it this way, there was a lawyer on site that would take basically our letters of resignation and do it for us for free and get them, you know, handed in, no problem. Why today? Um, today, so I left the church 17 years ago, um, and I just it never really mattered to me to make it official because I knew in my heart I wasn't a member and that I didn't care, and at the time that's all that really mattered to me. But in light of all their discrimination and hate, and now they're turning it onto the children, um, I just I saw that this group was getting together, and I wanted to be a part of it because I want to let them know that no, we aren't okay with it. They are discriminating. They are just a negative, negative church. And that's all I've seen in it for a very long time. So I figured if everyone's getting together and doing it and I can get a little help with the process, then I want to join. I want to do that. Because like she said a minute ago, I don't want my name attached to that in any way. So So a lot of people you know, will make assumptions that, oh, well, it never meant anything to you. Like this, you know, if you're going to leave, then obviously you never had a testimony or anything like that. Can you tell me a little bit about if the church ever did have any value in your life at one point? Oh, well, I was raised LDS, and I think I was raised to be a pretty decent person. So I can't, I'd like I told my mom, I'm not doing this to discredit my upbringing at all. Like, I'm not trying to negate the fact that I was raised LDS. But living my lifestyle, it doesn't mesh with what they're telling me so I don't want to be a part of it so I mean family values maybe but that kind of contradicts what they're you know doing right now I don't feel like these are family values that should be taught in anybody's family right and just the same question did the church ever have any sort of value at one point or time in your life hands down sweetheart So I was raised LDS. Um, My grandpa was like a hardcore church worker. My mom was like really, really into the church. I was born into it. I was baptized by my own father at the age of eight. It was a big deal in my family, but I never had a testimony. I am a very logical person, and throughout Sunday school, all their teachings, it was like the Sunday school songs were fun when I was little, but once they started to get into the real lessons, none of it added up to me. None of it made sense, and I went to the girls' camps over the summer, and all these girls would cry and bear their testimony, and I just, I couldn't because I didn't want to be a liar because that was bad. Um, I listened to girls say that they didn't have a testimony and then get peer pressured into giving theirs. And it just, it really bothered me, and it just never made sense. I never liked it. And by the time I was 12, we moved around a lot, so we didn't have that one solid church that we went to our whole lives. Um, Chloe, knock it off. (laughs) So 
by the time I was 12 and we were at a new church, my whole family, well, not my whole family, my siblings were being discriminated against very heavily because they didn't, like, dress like a Mormon should dress because my brother liked the Jinko pants, the, <laughs> the big bell bottoms. And, you know, and I, it just bothered me. I'm like, I don't believe in this. I never have. I've witnessed a lot of peer pressure, a lot of judgment, and now they're turning it against my own family based on physical appearances. And that's not the values that I learned growing up. My mom taught me to love everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, the color of your skin, where you come from. You love everybody else and you don't judge. So that's why I left the church because I saw that that is not what was being practiced and I didn't like it. So, so no, I never had a testimony and, but leaving it did have an impact on my family and my life. So it wasn't something I took lightly. Awesome. So, uh, just a couple more questions and we really appreciate it. So, you know, one of the things that people like to, I think do is, is sort of box put people in boxes, you know, and it's very black and white. And I've heard people use these two phrases. One, there's being uh, in the church, and then there's the gay lifestyle, right? As if one has all the goodness in it, and the other is somehow not. So could you guys tell me a little bit about what the gay lifestyle means to you? To me, the gay lifestyle means that as a mother, I'm a good mother, that I teach my children to be kind and respectful and honest, I study full-time up at USU so that I can be a good provider. Um, I don't do drugs. I rarely drink, and it's never around my children. I don't smoke. I don't... My lifestyle, I feel, is a very positive, happy, uplifting one, and I teach my children to be who they are no matter what. And So that's my lifestyle. I'm a mom. I work my butt off being a mom, providing the best home that I can provide, and, and that's about it. <laughs> that's my gay lifestyle. That was awesome. Anything you want to add or disagree with? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So one final thing, one final question. What advice would you give to anybody that's, that's frankly just afraid to make that final step, that final move to separate themselves from the church, whatever that means, or just move to the next phase in their life? Uh, what would you say is it feels like people who have been through it? Um, it can be hard and very scary, but the thing that is the most important to keep in mind is that there's so much support out there. What you're going through is what tons and tons of other people have gone through. And if you are willing to look, there's so much love. There's so much support. There's so many different organizations. They're all over. There's ones that you've probably never even heard of yet. And they are all willing to step up, take you in, and offer you complete love and support. So even if you're cut off in one section of your life, it's going to open up a lot of doors in other areas of your life. And you will be okay. And it does get better. It's okay. You are loved. You can go. At first I was afraid. So, yeah, literally just stepped in the door from uh, Book of Mormon, which was great. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was real, real. This company was really good. This, this wasn't your first time, right? Maybe. No, it wasn't. Uh, I went in L.A. with you, bro. Tuh. Forgot about that <laughs> miserable, <laughs> miserable night. It's, it's late. Let's, let's get through this bitch. Um, man, the freaking interwebs is ablaze. Yeah, it's really lit up. 
it was, I mean, I was, I'm, so I'm, I'm parking, I, somebody else drove us and I'm parking and, and the thing hits and I just kind of start reading it out loud. And then with, you know, but from the time I get there to my seat, I mean, things were just going nuts. And then I put my phone away and, and did the show and then I'm back on at, at intermission and was just, just amazed at the reaction. I'm getting texts, I'm getting messages, people are responding, um, friends of people that I'm with are texting them saying, is this real? Can this be real? Like, like, uh, active members are asking friends that I'm with, have you seen this? So I'm just, I was blown away at the reaction, man. Yeah, it's, it's stunning. Um, so what we're talking about for anybody who is listening to this and doesn't have an internet connection, um, <laughs> These are changes to the LDS Handbook 1, which were released apparently on November 3rd of 2015, and it relates to uh, family members of gay people, and they're standing in the church. So I say we just go through and read it. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's like a page, page and a half, pretty sure. much, that we're talking about here. Um, do you guys all have that PDF open? Uh -huh. I'll pull it up. <laughs> okay. I have it. I'm the one that's usually the last one to pull the stuff yeah. up. Yeah. All right. Send me a link, dude. Um, it's already on the Gmail thread. Oh, sweet. Thanks. And I confess that I hadn't seen any of the blow up. <laughs> well, no, that's good because you haven't you haven't processed it yet, then. Oh, that's no. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you have the script link? Yeah, I got it. And okay. that's got both of them on there? Or is it just one? Well, these are all the changes, so yeah, they're both on there. Gotcha, okay. Is it two different sections then, Scott? Is that how it works? Um, actually, it's it's actually three different sections that are referenced in here. Okay. Um, so we'll go through it. Okay, and the, and all of these changes are to Handbook 1, which are which is the handbook to ecclesiastical leaders only, so bishops, stake presidents, right? Yeah. And and it hasn't, this, this is uh, going in some future one. It's not in the one now. No, this is uh, effect. This is effective immediately. Effective immediately. Yeah, per their um, uh, memo that that went with it. Was this? Uh, who's the leak? <laughs> Did it come it from? Sounds like it's John Delin. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a uh, <laughs> shout out to Aaron Brown, uh, who's an old friend who, from what I can tell from the John Delin threads, is the one who who found out about it from an active member. Oh, you're right. You're right, Bob. He. Uh, they do give him credit on that. So good job, Aaron. Jeez. Yeah. Don't you think the church just pines for the days when this stuff happened behind <laughs> a cloak oh of gosh. secrecy? Pre-internet? Pre Absolutely. Right. Uh, Boyd K. Packer's rolling over in his grave. So's, <laughs> so's, so's Jesus. Well, so I... the, doc the document's titled Policies on Ordinances for Children of a Parent Living in a Same-Gender Relationship. Yeah, because this needs to exist. Okay. Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> it's so important to address Im this. Yeah. Important issue of the day of what ordinances can we give to kids whose parents may be in a same gender relationship? Yeah. Well, okay. what about, I mean, what if you got a situation where um, dad uh, and mom get divorced, dad, because dad was gay, and now dad's married, but has joint custody? Yeah, that's, that's that's exactly one of the major problems a here. It's a scenario, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I have clients like that. And there's um, the the Salt Lake Trib article 
that came out with this, um, down at the bottom, it quotes Nick Lachersky, who's a friend of mine. Um, I, I talked to him a couple weeks ago and he, he mentions in there a, a problem, which we'll get to. So let's, let's go through the, let's go through the document and we can, we can talk through it. Um, the following additions to handbook one have been approved by the council of the first presidency and the quorum of the 12 apostles for immediate implementation. Boy, those new guys are making an impact right away, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. it, it is. A, this is so interesting because w when you're talking about changing laws, changing, pol changing policies or anything, it's always, you know, these, these clauses that are effective immediately. I mean, this is a big deal, especially in an organization like this, that they don't, they don't change things like this immediately. It's usually, like you said, they roll it out in, in, you know, every other year, the handbook and these things. So this is a big deal to them. And I think there's reasons why that we'll get into in, as I process it a little, a little bit. Let's go. Yeah. A new section in handbook one, 16.3 will be added as follows. 16.13, just to be accurate. Oh, sorry. 16.3. Yeah. 16.13, 16.13, All right. <laughs> children, okay. children of a parent living in a same gender relationship. Because if you weren't alienated enough, now you've got a whole section on you. Right? If you didn't feel awkward already being you a kid at church with a gay dad or mom, then... It's now been codified that it is okay oh to alienate God. you. And, 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 you know, we're laughing. I'm laughing here, and I and I really feel like I'm, I've just been weeping inside for these kids. I, I just... Yeah, it's... It, this has cut me to the quick, man. Yeah, this is rough. I mean, what, I mean, whatever happened to the, you know, you will not be punished for the sins of your parents. Right. Yeah. I mean, they just totally shit all over that doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, we're, you know, before we even get into the meat of it, we're, you know, we were just talking about it, the immediate implementation, which is, we they just had general conference a month ago, right. you know. So if they wanted to, like, put something to the members and have some kind of common consent or at least explain things to the members of, Hey, here's the new revelation we've gotten. Like they just did that a couple of weeks ago and they had what, 10 hours of just, <laughs> you know, not just pablum to go through. And then they have this substantive change that they're just going to slip in on a, on a Tuesday in, in November. Right. Like anyway, well, they're trying to cover. I mean, they had no intention of this to get any attention, and it's backfiring, of course, because yeah. they don't know that the internet exists still. And it's like, <laughs> I, how would people not be outraged? So, yeah. anyway, yeah. let's. I guess we should keep oh. reading. Yeah, yeah. It's a series of tubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was my 2005 reference. Right. So. <laughs> All right, a natural or adopted child of a parent. Living in a same gender relationship, whether the couple is married or cohabiting, may not receive a name and a blessing. Okay, okay, why? I, I just, <laughs> of, of all the things you want to take away, why, why, why the fuck do you care that they receive a name and a blessing? Of yeah. all, which isn't an ordinance, which isn't required, which isn't they've they've already announced that that this isn't something that has to be done. And this, they 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 draw the line in the sand. Why? Well, and look at and look at how broadly worded this is. This isn't just. This does not just apply to kids who live with that parent. This just says any kid 
of any parent who is in a same gender relationship can't get a name and a blessing in the church. Right. So if they live with the mom who's still a true believer, you know, 80, 90% of the time and the gay dad gets in every other week, I'm a divorce attorney. So this is how I'm thinking through it. Right. The gay, the gay dad gets every other weekend, right? It doesn't, this doesn't matter what the, what the parenting time or custodial split is at all it's just it you know it, it the way this is written if it was you know if, if your gay father was on another continent sorry <laughs> you don't you don't get to receive a, a name and a blessing yeah so, real tight, so tightly written does that mean presumably before this was enacted the scenario was that let's just say running with that scenario scott that you came up with the mom if she's an active believer could have a baby with a second husband, let's say, well, um, no, no, that doesn't work. Let's say, I'm trying to think of the right scenario. So previously, the mom could have the baby sealed to her and have a blessing, even if the baby's father, after having been conceived, comes out as gay and, and moves in with another guy. Sure, right. And now that goes away. And if you're an active person, a believing Mormon, and you were in a previous relationship that is now over, and you don't even have temple covenants, you don't have anything tying you to that person, it doesn't matter. It's Right. So imagine you're a young couple, get married at 21, and a couple of years later you get pregnant, and one spouse realizes that they're homosexual. So they get divorced, the homosexual spouse resigns from the church, or doesn't resign from the church, whatever, starts a new relationship, and then the kid's born, right? Right. So now that kid can't be blessed even if the dad says hey the blessing's fine i've got no problem with it or the, the mom or whatever you know even if they're both on the same page the church is saying no 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 we don't want you yeah yeah so what and do they, do they want the mom still like i mean yeah. what are they saying by implication by i don't know right and this has this has real world consequences we all know people we all know people in this situation i i i i, I presume i guess i certainly know i know people that that are in this situation that have kids that are still active, or at least uh, the, the one spouse wants is, is encouraging the kids to be active and, are, and they're involved in the church. So we know we do, we know yeah. people who have been on the podcast. In fact. Well, the progression, the progression of this, of this um, section goes kind of uh, chronologically by age or it's right. going, it's going right. by right, rites of passage. Okay. So this <laughs> paragraph that we just read is, is the infant rite of passage. So let's go on now to the, um, you know, child rite of passage, which is the baptism. Yeah. So in the next paragraph, a, a natural or adopted child of a parent living in a same gender relationship, whether the couple is married or cohabiting, may be baptized and confirmed, ordained, or recommended for missionary service only as follows. Only underlines. Right. So again, doesn't matter if the parent is living in the same household it's anyone who has a gay parent this is going to restrict your your baptism confirmation ordination or recommendation for missionary service so this is like all the way up until you're 19 so this is beyond infants but yeah like basically the first 19 20 years of a living breathing conscious decision-making person's life that otherwise presumably has agency um, is subjected to this extra scrutiny for what they 
have or haven't done just because of the sins of their fathers. Right. Well, it has no, yeah, it has nothing to do with what they have done. Right. Right. They could have they could have been active, believing, worthy the entire time, and this would apply to an eighteen and a half year old um, female who wants to go on a mission when she turns nineteen. Yeah. Absolutely. You know this that 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 would prohibit her from um, missionary service. So so then beneath that paragraph that I just read, there's a there's a few conditions under which that can happen. So they say, you know, they can be baptized, confirmed, ordained, or recommended for missionary service, only underlined as follows. Uh, do you want me to read? Uh, yeah, go, go for it. A mission president or a stake president may request approval from the office of the first presidency oh, to, because, they, because they're cognizant of how things work and yeah, have and, time and for this. And they actually have any insight on what's going on in some local area. This is so bizarre. This is like a they, first presidency approval thing. It's like that big of a deal to them that three I mean, the white men, what? Yeah, this is temple the same as, uh, uh, like an trans, abortion trans, or something. Or, yeah, yeah or transgender. Or yeah. Yeah. So no, this is worse than abortion. Abortion. Abortion can get. You only have to have approval from your mission from the mission president. Right. Or the stake president. They don't have to have approval. Because we had, in Korea, like, every woman oh, yeah. has had tons of abortions. This is it's temple just, annulment type shit. It's yeah. Serious business. Crazy. Which, which is, to me, you have to go to the first presidency is code word. And you have to go through your mission president or stake president is code for it's just never going to happen. Right, yeah. It's, this is just a no. Right. So your stake president is probably going to tell you no anyway. And even if it goes to the first presidency, they can just arbitrarily say no anyway. But sorry, Bob. you Right. You were in the middle of a sentence. So mission president or stake president may request approval from the office of the first presidency to baptize and confirm, ordain, or recommend missionary service for a child of a parent who has lived or is living. So it could have just happened in the past. Who has lived or is living in a same gender relationship when he is satisfied by. Okay. Well, how does this sentence go? It's a horrible sentence. Yeah, okay, it's, let me, let it's me all one sentence, and then there's two. There's two more big conditions coming on. So. <laughs> this is like the, okay, so grammar aside, let me let me start over with a better cadence. Okay, a mission president or a stake president may request approval from the office of the first presidency to baptize and confirm, ordain, or recommend missionary service for a child of a parent who has lived or is living in a same gender relationship when he is satisfied the mission president, that is, by a pers by personal interviews that both of the following requirements are met. Okay, so let's break that down. So if you have a parent who has lived or is living in a same-gender relationship, you, in order to be baptized, confirmed, ordained, or recommended for missionary service, you have to go to your stake president, have an interview. They have to be satisfied that these following conditions are met before they're going to even submit your name to the office of the first presidency. So, so you could you could be an 18 year old, have a single, have parents that are divorced, and your dad was in a relationship in like 1997 with another dude. Right. <laughs> and therefore, this is triggered for some god awful reason, and this happens. So these are the two conditions right that we're going to go through yeah or you could be a convert that's the other thing I'm oh, yeah, that's true to. what if you're a convert say when you're 16 and one of your parents has been gay your whole life that that's all you've ever known 
right? right. And you have a great relationship with him, and there's no problem. No, there. we just don't. Want, we don't want those people. <laughs> it's, just, it's so so ridiculous. All the different scenarios that you can think of with this that are right that insane. It, it, and like like you said, every scenario. And I'm thinking of of different ones where a kid who has, for whatever reason, almost rejected their parents already. And that kid would love to be baptized at 16. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible scenario. I get it, but would love to be baptized, but cannot until they're 18 and then demonstrate these other things. Yeah. So, so number one, the child accepts and is committed to live the teachings and doctrine of the church and specifically disavows the practice of same gender cohabitation and marriage. So there's an extra Temple recommend question essentially, or you know, yeah, similar. Oh. They're forcing people to be, um, to to be rejecting to be bigots their parents' um, mm -hmm. lifestyle. Yeah, and they don't even ask that in the Temple recommend interview. They don't say, "Hey, I just want to make sure you're on the we hate gays team, right?" Okay. Well, well, but we're getting there because they they kind of shoehorned this in. Yeah, to the uh, Temple recommend questions with apostasy. So, but we'll get there. That's down at yeah. the bottom. So the, the second requirement for this, for this section, the child is of legal age and does not live with a parent who has lived or currently lives in a same-gender cohabitation relationship or marriage. So both of these have to be met, not either or, but both. Right. So the way I'm reading this, and this is so convoluted the way it's written, I could be wrong here, but, but if you're a natural or adopted child of a parent living in a same-gender relationship um, – you can't be baptized unless you are of legal age and do not live with that parent, that, that's, right? Oh, that's my reading of it, and that's, I think that's the only reading of it. Right. So how? So if a gay parent then has a has a child who is being raised in the church, wait. So no fellowship for anybody until they're eighteen. If if they're in this scenario, is that well, that's what I that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, they, when you say fellowship, they can certainly be fellowship. They just can't be baptized. Well, but what if they've already been baptized? And this is this is baptized, confirmed, ordained, or recommended for well, yeah. They're like halfway so, through their yeah. Childhood. So what if they're ten and their parents just got divorced? Or what if they're what if they're twelve? They're going well, to have to be a deacon. No, 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 let me, no yeah. go back. Yeah. So they're ten or eleven. Okay. No, you're right. Okay, this is good. Ten or eleven, or twelve, and this policy is in a, in place. So you've got baptized members. Who now the, the male members cannot progress in the priesthood now under this policy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's gonna, how I'm reading it because it says be a child a of legal age. Yeah, well, I mean, they're talking about 18. Th think about think about if if I mean to me the reason why 12 is significant is you are um, ordained a deacon, and for the next six years you're going to be a deacon, and and that's not going to like single you out Wait, in the so ward and ostracize you. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's aren't you ordained though to the to the Aaronic priesthood? You're actually set apart to be a deacon. So the ordination only happens two times. It would happen when you get the Aaronic priesthood. It would happen when you get the Melchizedek. Yeah, you're priesthood. right. That's right. So but, the only, so, so take the eleven year old, the yeah, eleven year old right. who has been baptized. This policy is in effect. Next year he turns um, twelve. Cannot be ordained to the priesthood then. But his friends anyway. who sneaked in <laughs> because he's 12 already, it's just so weird. And, like, and, and then think, think of this scenario in your head. To, for him, for this 11-year-old to get the priesthood, um, he has to disavow homosexuality. Oh like he even, think but, but of asking that to an 11-year-old. Yeah. No, no, and you know what? He's 18. You know what all the literature on this says, though? 
is when when there's a split between parents, right? Which is pretty much the only scenario in which any of this is going to apply right. is when there's, you know, uh, parents in two different households. Um, when there's a split between parents and the children are forced to to say something negative about one of those parents, you know what that does to kids psychologically? That makes the kids hate themselves because they they know that half of them is from their dad and half of them is from their mom. And this is super clear in in all the literature around divorce and what's best what's in children's best interest is the parents should never make the children feel like they have to disparage one parent or the other parent. It's like the wor- it's one of the worst things that you can do. And that's yeah. So wait, are you saying that they they can't even go through step one and two, Matt? If they're eleven, they have to wait till they're eighteen to get to the step. Uh, that's my reading of it. I don't see any, yeah. and, and I don't see any other way to read it. I mean, presumably the church. If if they were to rebut, if we were to TBM whisper, they'd be like, "Oh, just have that eleven-year-old keep coming to church." Yeah, he doesn't get the priesthood because he's he missed the cutoff, and this is this new policy is immediately in effect. But for the next seven years, just keep indoctrinating him and making sure that he's good with disavowing same-gender marriage through the whole thing. <laughs> and then when he's eighteen, he can sit down you know, formally. Yeah, sit down formally, make the case that he has hated it the whole time. And then he can get the priesthood for the first time, go on a mission, do all this. Like, they're already having a retention problem and issues keeping kids in. Like, how is this going to help? <laughs> like, well, well, right. And if you're a teenager, I mean, they're going, they're going and doing baptisms for the dead. You know, they're going around and doing um, all, all the the deacons and the teachers and the passing priests the are going to be passing the sacrament to doing, you know, when they become a priest, they can, there's certain, there's other ordinances that Ugh. they can do, like they can baptize people right. and, you know, they can, it's just, it's going, it has so many ripple effects. And, yeah. And all the, the, all the things that you now alienate these children of not being able to do and being, being excluded and, and different than everyone else, not, having these rites of passage and and so many of these kids like you said they're going to the church they're going to church in some cases every week with right. the believing parent it's not when you're at you know sunday here sunday there it's some of these some of these setups are to make sure they can go to church every yeah. week with the believing parent right and and a lot of people have that written into their divorce decree that it says you know they're always going to go to church with with the one parent and if that's what the parents you know decide on or if that's what the court decides is in the children's best interest, then fine. Um, but but this is going to have a major impact on on those kids. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm looking at this and I'm I can't remember a prior church policy that negatively affected the children of gay people. No, I mean no. this is pointed at the kids. That's what that's right. what makes me so angry it, it about impa- this. Right. Is it's bad enough to hurt people that that are homosexual and it's part of who they are and it's you know it, it's this intrinsic element that they have. It's bad enough to to make them out to be demons, but now they're doing it to their kids right. and they're making their they, oh they're they're just pissing all and, over their kids. And this is what this is where the rage comes from because these kids you are going out of your way to hurt kids that happen to be uh, to, to be from these relationships and from these from from parents that are, that, uh, that are in these relationships rather you're going out of your way to hurt the kids you're not impacting the uh, the parent who happens to be in a gay or lesbian 
relationship. They they've moved on. They they're certainly not believers in in almost all cases, and and it impacts them not at all. It only impacts a freaking minor child. So well, and I think the the bigger message that this sends beyond what the the awful thing that they're doing to the kids, the message that this sends is a message to all of the members. It's an in-group message to all of the members that it's it's still the church's policy to to be bigoted towards gay people. Right. We hate them. They're bad. They're evil. Even their kids are are suspect. Can't, right. Suspect is the, is the right word. I'm, I, I was thinking of um, just it's clearly they don't trust if if a kid has has a relationship or has a parent that, that's in a gay and lesbian uh, relationship, they're basically just writing them off. They're saying this kid is not going to be one of us, so why even bother? This yeah. is just a kid who will eventually be a dissident anyway. Let's let's not even get this started. Well, that's yeah, what I don't be... get. That's uh, that's what I don't get. So if the church is true, like bear with me for a second. Is this doctrinally like? How even if the church is true, could this be true? Like it doesn't. What what purpose does it serve in God's plan? Like, well, remember Jesus said, "Suffer the children to come unto me, unless their parents are gay." Oh right, <laughs> that's the I forgot the, that passage. It's Jesus, the Thomas S. Monson translation. See, somebody posted somebody posted the line. It was Jesus said, "Love everyone, treat them kindly too, unless your mom is lesbian, then he hates you." <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> I wish I could give the person credit that posted. I went through to try to find it and I couldn't find it. So if you're out there, props. Yeah. Well, and this whole thing is this whole thing is unnecessary anyway. Because if they're worried about gay kids like sneaking in pro gay or the the children of gay people sneaking in pro gay attitudes into the church, all of these ordinances they already have to go and interview with the bishop anyway. Right. So the bishop could have already said, okay, you know, the church teaches this. Do you agree with the teachings of the church and 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 made sure that the that everything was kosher already? They didn't have to go this extra step and and put a, you know, a scarlet letter on these Well, that's kids. that's interesting, Scott, cuz that triggered a thought that is it intentional that they don't want these kids they they realize what they're doing is they will alienate these kids. These kids will are less likely to come and be active and be involved and therefore less likely to inject their pro-gay rhetoric and attitudes to other kids that they might interact. Is it a way to insulate those who aren't already tainted by this gayness in their lives? You know, the, the other friends and members and, and people in the ward, uh, particularly youth in the ward that would otherwise be exposed to these kids that may have pro-gay a pro-gay disposition could is it is yeah, that I a think possibility? So. I think I think that's definitely a possibility. I think they're afraid of uh, you know because um, I don't know maybe they know or uh, um, intuit that um, when you're exposed to something and and humans are involved, especially someone you love, your dad or your mom, uh, that you tend to have um, more um, tolerance for it. Right. Even Republicans, and, that's what, yeah. Yeah, even Cheney, fucking dick. Exactly. Fucking Cheney is pro-gay rights. Why? Because he has a gay daughter. daughter. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and, it's back to so, the whole Harvey Milk thing. So, I, yeah, I think that they are trying to, it's like, um, 
you know, when, when you cut out when you cut out cancer, you always go like a few millimeters outside the tumor right. just to make sure right. you get every cell. And these these kids, these straight kids, uh, who haven't done anything, they're they're the the healthy the kids around the tumor the, that they're cutting. Oh, that just makes me sick. I, it, and it's sickening because I, I think it's I think that's it. I think there's something there. Well, but I think I think that's I think that could be part of it. But I also think it's an in-group message to the members to say, just you know, keep keep being assholes to gay people. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. There's there's no question. So initially, when we when I when we read this, I, I was with a friend of mine who said, but it impacts nobody. This this policy um, impacts no one at all because any any kid who this would impact is already out of the church. And I and I. And initially, I kind of thought, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." But then I thought, "No, that's not true." Right. Um, you know, it, it does. So that, and I thought the same thing. That well, it certainly sends a message to the members. In case you were wondering, we still really don't like gay people, <laughs> we including haven't their children. We doesn't, have not softened at all. Doesn't so this re- Yeah. Doesn't this reprioritize the hierarchy of sins? Because last time I checked, if you have a parent that's a murderer. Or right. a rapist, right. Right. Or no special conditions there, or anything else. Yeah, nothing happens. It doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, being gay is the worst thing ever, and there's this new reaching in extension of other people's sins, quote unquote, in air quotes, sins. It just seems like they're really making a big statement doctrinally, in a way. I mean, I know this is all, you know, under the banner of policy change, which you know, then they can sort of have their cake and eat it too a little bit because it's not a doctrinal thing but it is i mean it's all the same right well it says it right at the top that this was approved by the the first presidency in the quorum of the 12 apostles for immediate implementation yeah 14 fundamentals Ugh. come on you guys I... already forget that right yeah. <laughs> Jeez. It, it, and it's just an acknowledge it's just an acknowledgement we're not gonna we aren't gonna have these kids anyway i know i just said that but if they had any hope of, of converting these kids or keeping these kids in, then you'd want to have them baptized early and indoctrinate them early, have them as enmeshed into the culture and into the practices as you could to ensure that you have them. This only ensure what gay what kid of of gay parents at eighteen are going to be like? Yes, now. Finally, now I've been waiting all this time. Now I'm going to go to this church that has alienated me, and now let me. You know, I'm thinking of them like whipping someone. Say it, whack! Say your father. Disavow your father, whack! Disavow your father, whack! That's kind <laughs> well, of what I picture I think, happening at 18. You know, this real uh, nefarious ceremony. Well, their fear. I think their fear of contamination of these kids is greater than their interest in, in okay. saving, saving any of their souls. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, there's of, a part- the, of the kids who don't have a gay person in their life in this way. Yeah. They're, saying- they're, they're afraid of the kids of, of a, maybe one or two gay parents, um, right. Contaminating the normals, you know, right. I don't want to contaminate the normals. It's basically like, yeah, let, you know, it's just another form of racism in a way. I mean, if yes, it's just well, don't have the blacks let into the chapel because what, what's well, that going to? Well, what 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 makes uh, you know go back to like 1960 in Mississippi? What did the KKK hate more than black people? Mixed mixed the, the... no 
white, white people, white who, people, like supported, people. Ah, white people yeah, who supported yeah. civil rights. <laughs> That's right. They called them N-word lovers. Yeah. And they hated them because they considered them betrayers. And uh, and so I think there's a... Dude, I mean, well. that, that's, that's a little extreme. Sorry. Randy, but. dude, I just want to come back to your analogy with the cancer cells. I'm just... That, blew, that blows me away. Because I've heard former bishops, current bishops talk about, you know, hey, we when, when the Boy Scout thing and about when they changed the policy, um, you know, with, with, have, with allowing gay... Um, leaders is hey we, we really shouldn't have to even be around them at jamborees and other things and it was just laid bare when people would say that and this right. is just a step removed from that this is saying yeah we don't really want to have to be around them and we don't want to have to be around their kids right anybody who's a sympathizer you're cut off <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so part of me is like you know the church can't get out of its own way the cynical part's like ah this is awesome because they're just I, gonna okay. it's gonna cause more and more people to leave then the other part of me is like, well, this is also going to cause a lot of really unnecessary yeah. suffering. Gut, yeah. pun- gut punches in the meantime. Of, of innocent, of, uh, innocent children, man. Well, yeah. If you're a, so, if you're a, if you're, you know, a, a gay kid in the church now, are you more or less likely to, to go and commit suicide? I mean, let's look at the opposite of what this statement could have been. It could have been. You know, the church reaches out with loving arms to all of its members. If you're especially the children of of parents who have chosen this pathway, we want you to know you're included. We love you. you you're welcome to love your parents and to be um, have a healthy relationship with them, regardless of what their lifestyle is. And we want you in the church. Right. I mean, <laughs> what would have been so bad about that? Right. Just like, whoa. Who who would who would want that to be said? I mean, that's just too nice. Hmm. Tolerance is. Um, I think Boyd K. Packer gave a talk on tolerance, the danger of tolerance. Yeah. Wow. Tolerance trap. Yeah. Yeah. Trap. Okay. All right. Next section. Handbook one number six point seven point two is to be updated immediately as follows. Addition is highlighted. So this is amending the section titled when a disciplinary council may be necessary and it's listed under serious transgression. They inserted the term or they inserted the uh, parenthetical, especially sexual cohabitation um, behind homosexual relations. So it lists off all these all these awful things, attempted murder, forcible rape, (laughs) sexual abuse, spouse abuse, intentional serious physical injury of others, adultery, fornication. Homosexual relations, especially sexual cohabitation, and then deliberate abandonment of family responsibilities. So, gay people are somewhere between attempted murder and not paying child support. (laughs) We're not sure which end of the spectrum that's on. We'll just sandwich it in the middle. Yeah, forcible rapes in there too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But but I guess not. Not statutory rape or no, it's just only so it's only if it's forcible. Nope, just forcible. <laughs> just yeah. forcible. Statutory rape isn't as bad as living, you know, two men living together. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> it didn't make the list. <laughs> oh jeez, that's under minor treason, <laughs> right? Minor transgression. Oh, that was my Arrested Development reference. Oh, <laughs> might have committed some light treason. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Oh great. my God. Well, I, I do like this. I like force, forcible rape. 
you know, versus regular rape. They should have just called it legitimate. Yeah, legitimate. legitimate yeah, because they have a way to shut that down. I love. I, I just. I just love that. You know, if it's like violent and it's really aggressive, that's like really a serious transgression. But if it's just like ra- rape, rape, that's like not a serious. That's just a. Yeah. If it's a, if it's Cosby rape, that's not really forcible. That's, oh. a, <laughs> that's a soft transgression. Come on, guys. Gosh. You can't they can't help but being Oh gosh. Wow. <laughs> so that was the only change that that section was um, right. just a uh, three words added in. So it's, yeah, right. Especially sexual cohabitation versus non-sexual cohabitation. I mean, they're so who write these lawyers that write this are just they're, they're so pleased with themselves and it's just so it's so stupid why 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 do they need to specify especially cohabitation um it, you know because it's worse than holding they, hands well, in church no no it's no, not, no. It's, not it's, gay it's, sex is gay sex well you know what no it's, oh okay fair enough I, yeah. and we can answer i think we can answer this after we read the next section right I think there's a very specific reason why they've why they did that and why they now do the next one. Yeah, I think this whole thing that we're talking about tonight is a realignment of the church's policy dealing with gays after uh, the the gay marriage yes. uh, case came out. And th- But they wanted to wait until the press blew over with it and wait until after general conference. Right. And they're, ne- they're never... They, they, they want this stuff behind the scenes. That's why they wouldn't announce it at general right, conference. Right, but they... This is also... It's just a, a manifestation of the fear that they've lost the battle and that something will happen to cause them to have to, to solemnize gay marriages in the temple somehow and so they're like aha we i've got it we will now um codify a policy which will prevent anyone from suing us uh, or attempting to force us to um to solemnize these in our temples or to authorize them recognize them in our churches or and I, that's that's what i see it as it's a it's a knee-jerk reaction from fear and a uh, and a belief of of where things are heading. And it's so it's and it's so silly because God, it, religion in America is so fucking privileged and protected. Uh, uh, there's you know there's there's real uh, free exercise issues, Randy. I'm surprised you didn't know that the freedom of religion is under attack. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you can't be a bigot. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't know that. I've been hearing this for a while. So all right, Matt or yeah. Randy, rent, read it. All right. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Thanks, dude. Handbook one, number 6.7.3 is also to be updated immediately as follows. Addition is highlighted. When a disciplinary cancel is mandatory. Apostasy. As used here, apostasy refers to a member who, one, repeatedly act in clear, open, and deliberate public opposition to the church or its leaders. Two, persist in teaching Uh, Persist in teaching as church doctrine information that is not church doctrine after they have been corrected by their bishop or higher authority, the John DeLynn doctrine. That doesn't say that. Three, continue to follow the teaching of apostate sects, sects, such as those that advocate plural marriage, after being corrected by their bishop or a higher authority. Four, and this is the highlighted portion, are in a same-gender marriage. Five, formally join another church and advocates its teachings. 
I, I love that they bury it, that the, the addition doesn't become right. the last one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's or not, the first one. Yeah, it's not the one. last or the first. It's... Or just a separate section saying, hey, if you're in a same-gender marriage, then you're excommunicated. They have to shoehorn it into <laughs> apostasy. <laughs> and slip it in as a number four. And, and oh, wow. so how, how does this go with the article of faith about honoring and sustaining the law? Well, they they do. That doesn't, and I don't see that as inconsistent. They can certainly uh, honor and sustain the law without uh, inviting people that, that that. Well, they don't have to seal them in the temple, but they have to actively excommunicate them. But yeah, th- this has really been going on forever, anyway. Sure, but now it's now it, it it's also in all of these, it takes discretion away from individual bishops. And I think that's the other right. piece of that is is this is a bright line rule to ensure that this is how people are going to be treated, even if you're in the Palo Alto ward with a pretty cool bishop and stake president who there's no way they're going to follow this. They're, they're almost compelled to. Well, you know what? One of the stupidest things with this is, is that this is so U.S. centric, right? Mm-hmm. So I wish we had point. I wish Excellent we had point. Hamer on, but I think Canada enacted like nationwide gay marriage like ten years ago or right. something, right? So this has just been going on in Canada for in a long Western time. Western Europe, and every yeah, everyone, <laughs> you know, Mexico, and and nothing bad's happened. Oh, you're right? such a great point. Well, not only that, it just shows you how American this church is. They want to be a global church. This has been happening all over the world, and it's not until it happened in America. That they codified this. Well, it is, so it is interesting that you say that. So this would certainly apply to those um, those branches or stakes in other countries as well, right? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's church-wide policy. Wow. Wow. So do you think the brethren sat down and had a conversation you know, their version of what we're talking about. Well, there are these repercussions, you know, X is going to lead to Y is going to lead to Z. And do you think they thought this through or do you think? Yeah, I think this has Oaks's hands all over it. Uh, So the the memo that he wrote back in the eighties about gay marriage, it, it, you know, thought through and anticipated some of these twists and turns that the, that the law could take and what would the church do in response <laughs> yep. and How prophetic. that sort of a thing. And the, keep in mind that, you know, it's a pretty funny memo if you go back and look at it because uh, sodomy was still illegal um, in a lot of places. I mean, that wasn't overturned until like 2003. Wow. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's hilarious. So yeah. yeah, I think, I think Oaks was definitely involved with this. Yeah. And, and I see exactly the same thing. It's a, it's a response to their belief of what's happening with the laws and not just the, the laws for, for gay marriage, but what their mistaken beliefs are as the impact to religion and religion's ability to control their policies and practices. So this is a, an announcement or a pre it's a preemptive strike of sorts. So then, yeah. And so, it's just so odd. Oh, go ahead, Bob. I was just saying, I'm, I'm still stuck up on like, just for the believers out there. So is this, doctrinally inconsistent i mean do is do we have any precedent is there any other case of things that other people do matter to your salvation um like that's what this is at at its core 
and I'm just wondering, that seems like totally inconsistent and incongruent with some of the fundamentals of Mormonism and Mormon doctrine. Right. So, I don't know, that just seems like your head would explode as a believer if you just thought about it for two seconds. Like, what? which do you yeah, choose? Yeah. Good thing they yeah. don't usually think that deeply. Okay. Well, and, and I, but I was interested in, in the, the thought process or the... Obviously, they hoped it wouldn't get out because it was it's handbook one, and if, and it's and it's stuff that they copyright and they really are protective of. But they had to have, they should have known, I guess, that everybody gets access to this stuff. So my my thought is, if they had any conception of the PR nightmare this would be, could be, and the impact that it could have, not just on fringe members, not just on the liberal members, but on believing members when you start taking shots at innocent kids and, and set the apostasy thing aside that one that one feels consistent with what they've been doing anyway right they've just kind of clarified it i guess with, with, with without ambiguity it, the the kid one is where everyone's up in arms and i think rightly so so i wonder if they had that thought process of this this really could result in mass resignations or at least more disaffected uh, people, um, not just the people that it impacts, but people who truly love and support these kids and these families. It certainly has the potential of loosening up the grip uh, that um, a, 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 any given Mormon individual has on their testimony. You know, because yeah. it always takes it always takes just there's is some little tip that loosens your like. Other than Scott, most people don't leave the church in a weekend. <laughs> um, you know, you have that first little uh, pebble that starts the avalanche, and I think that this—I think this is going to do more damage than good. I think, I think they are just so clueless on—they're um, they're so out of touch. <laughs> well, but the irony is, is that they're going to go against their their stalwart members. Like, I—I I, I should caveat this because I'm—I'm maybe it's not fair to channel Mike Tannehill, but if you think about it. People who are against gay marriage and have all sorts of issues with gay people and are on the church's side um, are oftentimes the same people who are doctrinally, you know, really into free agency and and the church's stance on on original sin. And just it's just weird because it makes you choose between two things that you you don't know which one you're going to love more. Like, well, I don't like the gays, but man, this feels like a, a, a taking away some freedom or yeah. it's, it, it, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm curious yeah. to know for those diehard believers, like which is the lesser of the two evils ironically coming, you know, from the first presidency. <laughs> well, the I, older ones were co pretty comfortable not allowing blacks to have the priesthood and any privileges <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But the, this is the first case of like, it, it would be the equivalent of saying you have, you know, this amount of Jewish blood in you, or, you know, you, it's just really weird. It's like, it, it's not about the person, it's about the person's relatives and what they're doing. Like, it just seems so unprecedented and, and like reaching in in a way that the church has never done, even though the church has done a lot of horrible stuff in the past that they've had to, like, it's 2015 and they're going this far. I don't know. It just blows my mind. Yeah. Going back to my cancer, anal cancer tumor analogy. Um, I think that uh, 
that when um, well, and just to clarify, I'm not saying gay people are cancer cells. I'm saying that's how they're seen. <laughs> right. the I think we get that. <laughs> right. But I think well, that's gonna... not what you told me yesterday, Randy. <laughs> yeah. But I think with their certain with their scalpel, as they cut the healthy tissue, a couple of millimeters around that tumor, they've nicked an artery here. Yeah. Yeah, oh. that's that's the way to say it. They've nicked an artery because there's going to be some profuse bleeding going on. I, I don't know. I this think so. it's kind of interesting. Someone someone post. I've been I've been fascinated at reading the post. Just at the just the heartache, some of the insights, some of the things that people are are posting. Um, it, it's just it's really touching. I mean, uh, but one person posted about their asked about their 13 year old, and their their response was what. Aren't, aren't we supposed to follow the strength for youth pamphlet? It says to honor your parents by showing love and respect for them. Ouch. Another inconsistency. Yeah, what, you know, what about the Ten Commandments? Honor thy father and thy mother. I mean, what? why would I ever disown my parents? Well, and this is just the most fundamental. I mean, anyone who understands just basic Christianity, like look at the people that Christ was spending his time around, the people that he was the ministering to, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the idea that Jesus would... It would not want the children of sinners to be around him or that yeah. he would want them to have have a black mark placed upon them is so antithetical to just the, the plain ideas that Jesus taught. It just it's, I mean, it's it's so far off. Well, look, dude, I'm going to I mean, you read these policies and I don't know how else to say or how else to uh, to just evaluate it as this is the behavior of a cult. You not only cannot join us, you are a person. What is what is the Scientology? A person of suspect person or a, um, uh, oh, suppressed a, a, person. Yeah, yeah, a suppressive person. A suppressive person. But once you become an adult, if you disavow this the, someone who you love and a very fundamental part of somebody that you love, and as Scott pointed out, is half of you genetically and, and otherwise, right. and oh. then you can join us. No, that, it's not. It's that not. The, is, that is a, a cult. That that uh, it's not a suppressive person that you're talking about. It's a potential trouble source because these are people that are just associated with uh, with suppressive persons. Right. That's what they're going after. That's the, the next layer. Right, yeah, right. they're going after the suppressive the, person. Yeah. Right. Like when yeah. uh, Nicole Kidman was labeled a potential trouble source because her dad was a psychiatrist. Right, right, right. That's fascinating. So we're Mormonism just like retrenched to the state of Scientology, which is really sad because, you know, as a believer, it's always easy to be like, but we're not like those guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what they've lost with this too is they've lost the ability to say, hey, we're a big tent. You know, we have our. our it's right. okay if our members want to think differently from us. If you know, I mean, when you know, after the whole Prop Eight blowback, there were a couple of General Authority interviews where they said, "Oh no, if members are, you know, if they support gay marriage on their own and they're not publicly opposing the brethren, then you know, we're we're totally fine I with that." I remember that, yeah, yeah. And, and now this, they're saying, as a condition for baptism, you have to disavow your parents. Um, yeah, it, is taking it to a whole different level. Yeah. And Scott, what you're talking about, that press conference was five months ago because it was the <laughs> Supreme Court decision. It was after that they said, hey, you know, uh, we, we now declare it, um, that, uh, it, you know, members can support gay marriage and not worry about discipline. Well, that turns out to be not true if you're a minor. 
Yeah, you don't get disciplined. You just don't get to join the church that your brothers and your parents and that's your cousins a, are all in. That's right? a form of discipline when yeah. you when you prevent baptism or ordination or right. baby yeah. blessing. That's discipline. Right. Well, and the other stupid thing too here is they're not even thinking about blended families. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. So 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 you've got step siblings, right? You've got half siblings that you know your parents get get remarried and they have kids with them. So now those kids aren't part of this gay curse because they're not, you know, the children of a gay right. person. Oh they're God. only like one eighth black or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, it just makes me it, so mad. Oh, and it can, it, it just, yeah, it spins out of control. So, well, this is interesting. Hey, you guys, this is interesting. Um, so I'm reading this. <laughs> was that Cartman? Was that Cartman Jesus from? Yeah, the, it, was. Musical tonight? It, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this this policy on the kids, it says that whether the couple, let's see, natural, blah blah blah, whether the couple is married or cohabitating, uh, maybe baptized, blah blah blah. So it's not really even saying. So a, a parent who happens to be gay, that has indiscriminate and uh, promiscuous sex, and but does not get married or cohabitate, <laughs> that, kid, that kid's good. Right, as long as your sex is not committed. Yeah. As long then as you'll be okay. Right. Oh, that's such a great point. Oh wow, all the loopholes here. This is great. Yeah, and that's but that's one of the sickening things about about what happened to the gay community. You know, uh, decades ago, probably was was more. It's a microcosm of that same problem, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why there was there were so many unhealthy things that were going on in the gay communities because they had to be right. underground and they were treated like they were just you know gutter trash that that they couldn't. You know, they didn't they didn't have a socially acceptable way to express their their love and their their feelings for each other that they couldn't be in a committed relationship or they could <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't be in an open, uh, normalized right. relationship in a lot of societies because right. that's how they're treated. And so, that's really what the church is trying to still do. Absolutely. To de- to <laughs> to alienate and delegitimize committed relationships and make it particularly bad by. Like you said, uh, someone talked about a, a scarlet letter, uh, a black marker, a scarlet letter on these kids' chests. Yeah, uh, sounds pretty pro-family to me. I don't know about yeah. you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you know what, I, what, what I, what's going through my mind's eyes is these guys are meeting together, these old guys, and, they're, and all they're thinking about is um, potential um, gay couple that still wants to be part of the ward, and they adopt a kid. They want that, that. All they were thinking about was that scenario. They did not think about. They didn't think it further steps from more complicated right. family situations. Really? Yes. Well, I, maybe I, Oaks I think, did. I maybe think... Oaks did. But then he probably handed it over, and he's got enough clout. And the the, the old guys that are slow are like, well, Oaks said it's okay. I don't know. Yeah, I bet Ballard Ballard was in on this too. He just spoke at that World Conference yeah. of Families oh, right. conference thing, and he was. Yeah. I'll bet you there's ten different memos on this thing analyzing the the repercussions. I mean, and, and ultimately they don't care because right. this is this. Bob used the right word, I think. The retrenchment. The, this is not. You know, they, they've talked about. Oh, we're open to. Uh, we're, we're supportive of of gay and lesbian rights as it pertains to housing and blah 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 blah. And, and this is just a retrenchment and say no. We really, we really. Um, are isolating ourselves on this issue and those who support it go away. We're fine with that. Yeah. And you know what the other thing this does is this, this makes it as clear as it could possibly be clear 
to to everyone that the church is not changing their position on gays. Yep. Yep. So they have they have codified a, a committed homosexual relationship as part of the definition of apostasy. So how can they how can they turn the ship after that? Nope. You're right, and those com- just those com- the discussions people have of oh, at what point do you think the church will change their position? No, they they won't, and at least. They want to make sure, and this is the old garb, the the 90-year-olds that are in charge, the Oaks, setting in motion or preventing, hopefully, this change from decades down the road. And I think that's a a goal or a motivation, too. It is, because it's going backwards in order to prevent any movement going forwards, because this is literally resetting the clock by about 50 years. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like nazi jew type stuff so it's pretty outdated at this point that i I don't know i'm i'm being a little extreme but still it just feels i I feel the same way dude i have the same kind of thoughts towards nazism i did it's 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 (laughs) It's pretty horrible (laughs) so so then scott you mentioned and i'll let you speak for yourself i don't mean to uh, get it out of you live but this might preempt or prompt you to, to take action in certain ways? Yeah, I mean, this this is a trigger, like, so I, I haven't resigned yet. Okay, I just said and, what I said I wasn't going to do. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> that was a perfect segue yeah. to saying it, so. Right. Um, th- this is the kind of thing that, I mean, I haven't considered myself a member in any in any meaningful way for a long time, but this is the kind of thing that makes me feel like I have to formally disassociate mm-hmm. even though I'm not really that motivated to do that like it's it's sort of the you know the whatever social cost there is and just the hassle of actually sitting down and and you know typing up a letter um but this this is so infuriating this makes me want to you know post it on my uh, on a bumper sticker and say this I resigned and this is why yeah I hear you um, it it just it just makes me so disgusted to be in any way um, affiliated with a group that is actively hurting Kids. children that are that are already in a situation which is unfortunate. They're probably they're probably children of divorced parents. One of their parents has probably gone through an awful coming out as a former member of the church. I mean, though this is the this this small subsection that they're targeting. Um, and then they're going a generation below that. And it just, it, it just, it makes my, my skin crawl right. with how disgusting it is. And, and you're not the only one that has articulated that. I've been, I haven't seen something that the church has done garner that type of reaction or as much of a reaction for people who want to resign. You know, there, there were the, the mass resignations over Kate Kelly and let's, let's stand a support of John Dillon. And I, and I never supported that, that I always thought, look, resign for your own reasons. Don't, uh, don't take up the cause for Kate Kelly or John or, or somebody mm-hmm. else. I, but that was just my view. But this people are saying, no, I am a f- offended at this policy and I, uh, I'm resigning over it. Uh, and I'm res- shocked by it. Can I resign again? Can I do a second resignation? That's what I said, dude. Sure. Send it a letter. Why don't you start that as a thing? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm on my third resignation. Yeah, I, I might I might co-sign on this one myself. I mean, I, I've been pretty apathetic, and I feel like I need to apologize to my mom in advance because my excuse has always been like, oh, I don't want my mom to cry at tithing settlement when my name isn't on the list of, like, sealed children or whatever. Um, not that it matters to me, but it matters to her. So I was always thinking, like, I'd wait until 
I'm a lot older and this is, yeah. This but this makes me cry. This makes right. me cry. Right. This, this so, makes me as angry as as anything has in years. And oh, it makes me so mad. You know what is, we need to do? We need to do resignations for the dead. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to start resigning my dead ancestors. For my ancestors. Um, yeah. So. For and on behalf of my my great grandparents. Love it. Um, because my grandparents were not bigots. And, but so this is this was so serendipitous. It was so interesting how this played out today and the conversations we had today. Before the play, we went to dinner and we were talking about a tithing settlement and that my parents were likely going to go to tithing settlement and find out about this, you know, about right. our resignation rather. And we were having that conversation before we knew about this policy and we we're kind of talking about, oh, that's going to be awkward. That's going to be rough. You know, I don't really want to have that conversation. This happened. And then on our way out of the play, processing this, I, I looked at my, I looked at my wife and I said, I dare them to say something. I dare my parents to say something now about resigning because my response will be, you don't get to ask me that question. You have to explain to me why you will support that church. I was so, I mean, we, it flipped on a dime over this for me and how I would approach my parents. That's a good over point. Yeah. It, it was, it's a two-way street. It's just yeah. as much uh, an indictment of the other side as it is. Uh, I... Well, and here's the thing too. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about the church that that has pissed me off. Obviously, the historical problems and things like that have been really important to me. This is something. This is not an esoteric discussion. This is something that's going on right now. This is something that that people in the next month or two are going to have serious trauma in their lives because of the church saying this. Yeah. And, and and people will die over this because we, we talked about, you know, the children of gay uh, and lesbian um, couples. But I'm now thinking of these poor gay kids that now another thing to be reinforced of. You are an apostate. You are a serious transgressor. You are on par with a murderer, a person who forcibly rapes. But you're you're not you know, you're on par with that and somebody who does regular rape is actually better than you. I mean, I mean <laughs> regular the, the, rape. <laughs> the thing that th this is being communicated to these, um, these, these gay and lesbian kids, transgendered, all these, um, all these kids, and it will result in suicides. I, I, I there's, I, they have I'm, blood on their hands. I'm, I don't know if I would go that far because this is the, what? well, but this here's is the, the church. This is the church handbook of instructions. And, and, but it's and, out there. But it's, it's out there. Yeah, it's now on the Washington Post. It's on the Salt Lake Tribune. So kids only, tomorrow. Okay, say say you're a gay kid, um, 16 years old, straight parents. It's already bad enough, the church. No, but here's the thing. They know that at least if they could be in a hetero relationship and have kids and get married and everything like that. This tells them that if you're gay, your kids are tainted too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. If, if that message gets to them, it's just... You're right. And you're right. That's fair, just, Andy. That's I'm just fair. saying I don't I don't I don't know what the penetrance will be to the and I'm gonna ask I'm gonna find out maybe in a month or two to find out if my dad and my little brother know about this. Yeah. Um I, I don't even think they are aware. I still think they think the Book of Mormon was translated like in all the pictures. Well this even is though be, that's in the end sign. This is gonna be a big enough of a of a cultural storm that it's gonna reach a lot of of chapel mormons yeah i think yes. i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let righteous indignation bob out on facebook a little bit on this one normally you know i try not to be yeah. that guy. i'm very tempted to dude and 
and I have seen again people that normally do not post negative church stuff, or, or they are now. Yeah, this is a big one. This is huge. It's unprecedented. And it's, because, it's because it's kids, man. Don't don't mess with kids. And, and that's you know so much of my career has been don't mess with kids. And that's what this organization is doing. And that, I think, is where the react. I think that's where everybody's oh, reaction yeah. is coming no from. No doubt. They're, they're, go- they're going after kids who didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's unnecessary and, and, and baffling to me. These, the these Desert- idiots can't get out of their own way. Deseret News <laughs> finally has an article on it. Oh, how are they whitewashing it? Well, LDS Church reaffirms doctrine of marriage, updates policy on families and same-sex marriages. Oh, that's lovely. I yeah. like that. Oh, reaffirming that doctrine that's found where again? <laughs> yeah, that whole doctrine that, that Wait, I thought was it was a policy. Built around this um Oh, are you kidding me? Jesus, right. The Jesus church has so much to say about this. <laughs> the church has long been on record as opposing same-sex marriages. While it respects the law of the land and acknowledges the right of others to think and act differently, it does not perform or accept same-sex marriage within its membership. Uh, Okay, I want to see what they say about the kids real quick. Um, I bet you they don't even mention. They probably aren't even going to go there. It's it's It's, it's indefensible. Yeah, there's nothing to say. They do. They reference it. Oh, really? Yeah, the new section is listed as children of a parent, blah, blah, blah. Although children are not officially considered members of the LDS Church until they are baptized at eight, the blessing of a child creates a membership record. Children are not considered accountable or mature enough to receive baptism until the age of eight. They're giving a Sunday school lesson now? The handbook edition also states. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so they're reading it. Okay, there's no commentary. The language yeah. of being in same-gender marriage has been added to the definition of apostasy. So it, this is they more informational, o- no comment. They glossed over it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they just it's it's they are get there. It's out there. They've got they they've got to be a part of it too. too. And this this to me highlights how indefensible it is that the Deseret freaking news can't even do Make anything but say. It. Just they the facts, even, ma'am. They can't even spin doctor it. They they just they just they just listed off what the, the policies of uh, what is actual church membership. These are not the droids you're looking for, and so on. You know. It, well, and they're not. I mean, this this sentence that says although children are not officially considered members of the church until they're baptized, the blessings create a membership record. But right right above that, it says that if their parents are gay, they can't get a blessing. Right. So it. I mean, they're not. They're not explaining it. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.